Get your films on with the Blurgs. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. Unpacking movies has never been more spot on, woke, fire, and just plain lit. They are lit all the time. So if you're unsure whether or not to plop down some cash for a film, check out the Blurgs. When a man with a 45 meets a man with a rifle, the man with a pistol is a dead man. Rondo's got what plants crazy. It's got electrolytes. You really only need to hang mean bastards. Mean bastards, you need to hang. Don't say you weren't warned. Ridiculous. Here's Brandon and Jeff. Welcome to episode 83 of the Film Blurds. I'm Brandon Norwood, and I'm going to pass it right over to uh, Jeff to do his intro because we got a fucking long ass show. All right, I'm Jeff Stewart, and uh, we'll put the, you know, the AKAs, we'll put them at the end. Um, all right, so let's start off with uh, HBO Max. Uh, they did a whole presentation at the beginning of April, and they are going to become just Max at the end of May because they're going to combine Discovery Plus and HBO Max together. Their reasoning for calling it Max instead of HBO Max is they feel like HBO is its own brand and needs to have its own branding. Uh, I think that's fucking stupid because HBO is a recognizable name and you probably would want that to sell your streaming service. But, you know, whatever. Right. Like here. Here's the thing. When I think of Max, I think of Cinemax. Right. Um, Because wasn't there a Max, a Cinemax app, a a streaming platform? When it was first announced, that's what we all thought it was going to be. HBO Max, a combination of HBO and Cinemax and Cinemax is nowhere to be found. The only content on this from Cinemax on HBO Max is Warrior, which I only seen the first episode. I got to finish that. And then The Nick. And that's it. Like, you can't see all the other shows they produce for Cinemax, which is a shame. Right. Like Honestly, at this point, they should just shut Cinemax down. It's like Encore. Why is Encore still a fucking channel? Yeah, I, I have no idea. But, like, I hate the name Max. You know, uh, it's so generic, right? Like HBO Max, I get right. Yeah, because it's HBO. Like I know right. what I'm getting into. Right. I don't give a fuck about Discovery. Oh yeah, I don't want to watch 90 Day Fiance or My 600 Pound Life. Like I don't like watching exploitative uh, docu series that are just trash series. I, I don't like watching that shit. Right. Right. Um. Uh. Look, I'm still gonna watch shit on Max. I'm gonna call it HBO Max from now on. I'm not gonna call it Max because uh, his mama named him Ma- uh, HBO Max. I'm calling HBO Max. Well, uh, with that, they dropped a bunch of fucking teasers, announcements, and teasers. So uh, I watched them all. Uh, well, all the ones I was interested in. Uh, they're the penguin. Uh, I thought it was just an announcement little because, you know, they right. post an annou- announcements are like teasers or which they're very brief. It's a title treatment with a logo. This was actually like a full teaser trailer. I, I, I was like, oh, you guys have enough footage in the can to clip together a, a teaser trailer. And yeah, I, I knew it was going to be good. But from what we saw from this little announcement uh, video, this fucking looks amazing. Jeff and I joked in the first episode that uh, 
you know, they should start doing different genres with Batman's uh, villains because, you know, Joker was a combination of King of Comedy, Taxi Driver. I joked that uh, Penguin should be Goodfellas and they fucking did it. It's a gangster show set in the world of the Batman. Like it has the aesthetic of the Batman, but it really is a fucking like this could be called anything like you could you could swap out penguin with like matt like the character's name could be like max render or some shit like that (laughs) and it still work like just like joker joker works because even though it's derivative of shit we've seen before you could swap out joker and just call the movie like you know, a uh, failed comedian or comedian goes mad and it still works. Right. Clown face, Steve, you know, like, right. Yeah. Right. So the fact that they're really going to start uh, playing with genres with Batman's uh, villains, I was just like, all right, let's do more of that. Like, let's get a, uh, let's get poison Ivy as an eco terrorist. Um, I, I'd love a crossover with Lex Luthor. So, and they make it like wall street. <sighs> Yeah, you know what? And uh, actually, damn, damn, that was the perfect team up. Do Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy as eco-terrorists. Boom, there you go. Like, Joel Schumacher fucking dropped the ball there. They should have been eco-terrorists. The next teaser I want to talk about uh, is Gremlins, Secret of the Mogwai. This is a kid's show, which I'm surprised about because the... Gremlins 1 and 2 is not for kids. Gremlins 2 more kid friendly than Gremlins 1, but like this is a kid show. It looks cool, the animation's cool. I really don't have anything much to say. It it look it looks fine. Uh, yeah. Uh The Sympathizer, which is uh Park Chan-wook's uh new six-part miniseries starring produced and starring Robert Downey Jr. He's wearing the two hats in this. And in addition to starring in this, he's playing like six different roles. This this fucking shit looks insane. It's uh basically we co-opt uh, Korea into the Cold War. That's basically what this shit is. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, look, anything at this point that's going to be on HBO, I, I'm I'm in it. I'm locked in. The regime looks good, which stars Kate Winslet. So Kate Winslet doing another prestige miniseries uh the other one i want to talk about before we move on is the harry potter series uh i think this is a bad idea just because the movie's literally just wrapped up they still haven't finished their spinoff uh series which probably won't be finished but like it feels too soon like those movies are still fresh in people's minds. And then not only are you green lighting this now, but you're green lighting it when there's a writer strike looming. You have no writers and no cast. So you greenlit this shit. Yeah. With no plan in play. Yeah. And we, we, we talked about this and uh, the perfect way, if you want to try to do a soft reboot of this series is do ancillary characters, like characters that you don't, that aren't the main cast uh, have the show be about them and how the effects of whatever Harry's doing affects them. That's the only way to make it interesting. I don't want to see Harry Potter go through that shit again. Or just make fantastic beasts about new on whimsical adventures. Like I would like to see one of those fantastic beast movie with him actually like going around the world, catching 
fantastic beast in like an Indiana Jones type adventure, you know? Right. But it smells of desperation that they're trying to do a TV series based on the movie series that just wrapped up. What was it like? Eight years ago, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And it took like it took over a decade for this whole series in full to play out on screen. So, I mean, it's not like we've, we've missed it. It's not like Lord of Rings where it was three movies and then that was it. It's, it smells, it's, it smells of desperation, but also like they know it's a cash grab because they know the fan base is so entrenched. You know? And the reason why we're getting this show instead of something else is because the only other option they wanted to execute was the cursed child, which is the play, which takes place after the last book. And uh, everybody said yes to coming back except for Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe's like, no, 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 I'm done with Harry Potter. And I'm like, yo, I don't blame him, man. I don't right. blame him. I don't blame him because he's going to be fought. That's going to overshadow his career for the rest of his life. So, I mean, I don't blame him. I get it. I really don't. Uh, and then the final thing I want to talk about that they put out was uh, True Detective Night Country, a full trailer for this shit. And it looks like uh, it's going to be uh, tying back into the first season because the spot, the Carcosa spirals back. Right. It looks like it has the tone of the first season uh, taking place over in a frozen Alaska. Um, look, I think this show is what is needed, honestly, yeah. to to be revitalized. Um, if they can do it right, and if, you know, uh, I don't know, if, is Nick Pozzolito anywhere near this beyond, like... So, he got fired, because right. they hired him to do season four. He got fired. Oh, really? He had a bunch of shows in development. They got scrapped. He went over to FX... And had a bunch of shows in development at FX. And then FX is like, nah, get the fuck out of here. So now, just, uh, what was it, Friday? Just Friday uh, afternoon. Yeah, I saw the tweet. uh, He got hired to do a last-minute rewrite for uh, Blade. And Blades is starting to shoot in two weeks. So I don't know. Uh, Look. (laughs) (laughs) Marvel. It's Marvel. Uh, because they just hired another script writer to work on the script for Fantastic Four. And I'm like, guys, these movies are getting ready to roll in less than a month. And you're still trying to tell me you're doing rights and rewrites on these scripts. And Nick Pozzolito? Really? Yeah. Yeah. For, 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 Blade? for Marvel? Wait, uh, yeah. Uh. Like, I get it. I get it. They were like, Mahershala loved working with him on True Detective. Uh, well, True Detective and Blade are two different, two different things. Yeah, it's uh, apples and oranges, and then like, I I don't know what his pitch was, or how he got like how did he get a fucking attached? Because that just seems out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I I look the reason, and we'll get into it in the main review. But the reason why Guardians is good is because all that shit was like said and done, like pre. It had a normal movie production timeline. Pre-production, production, post, finish. Uh, these Marvel movies, they, they're now combining production and pre-production at the same fucking time. Even like two weeks before finished shooting. Like I, Multiverse of Madness, they did a whole script rewrite and then went back and shot like a whole month's worth of shit. Right. And you could tell. 
like, like you said, we'll get into our main review, but uh, when it comes to Marvel, I'm just, I'm done. I'm like, oh yeah, I said this after after we saw it. I was just like, you know, uh, the proof's in the pudding. Let's just right. say that, and I'll, I'll get into it more why the proof's in the pudding. But I mean, like, yo, y'all got an uphill battle from here on out. So good luck. Yeah, I mean, I like, I'll, I'll, I'll fuck with the TV shows, but like, I'm not right. getting excited for any of these movies. Right, because I went to go see. I saw Guardians twice, and before my second screening, they post they played the trailer for the Marvels, and I was just like, "Oh man, we are back to dumb shit." We like, we are just because if they had showed that trailer before the first time I saw it, I wouldn't think anything of it. I'd be like, right. "All right, whatever, it's synergy." But having seen the movie already, and then seeing that movie on an IMAX screen, I was just like, "Oh, you know, yeah, we just back to this dumb shit." No, no offense to any of those characters, but uh, watching that trailer, it's kind of night and day. Um, but maybe yeah, it'll surpri- uh, HBO maybe, Max. Maybe it'll surprise uh, us. What? I said maybe they'll surprise us, but like I'm not. Well, we'll get invested. into it in, in our next segment because I'm going to do something out of spite when it opens. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, one last thing before we move on. They dropped a teaser for Just Like That, which will be hitting HBO Max on uh, in June. And uh, that trailer, I was just like, oh, boy, this looks like more of the same dog shit that they've had in the first season. But then they get you at the end of the trailer because Aiden's back. I was like, damn, he waited for Mr. Big to die to be like... Carrie, remember that? Remember in the second movie how we almost fucked while you were married to Big? Well, Big's dead now. We could fuck now. Yeah, I couldn't get past the fourth episode of Just Like That. So, I mean, that's that's gonna be on. That's gonna be on. You, if you, I'm not watching it, that shit. All right, then fuck it. Yeah, I'm all, get... When Aiden pops up, I'll read the recaps. Yeah, Twitter will tell me everything I need to know. Uh, the, the Sex in the City to me was done after the fifth season, maybe the movie because the movie uh, movie was the first movie. Even though the fans love it, I was like, mm, that was the first early warning sign that right. we we're we're on shaky ground. And honestly, it was it was it was a product of his time, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and like they they tried to update it, but it just seems like old people trying. All right. Uh, Jeff, how was CinemaCon? Was it? How uh, was CinemaCon? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, shit. It looked like it was a great time. All right. Well, let's fucking get into it. Uh, there's, there's, there's mad shit. Uh, let's start with the first day. Um, the first day, I'm pretty sure it was Warner Brothers. And excuse me. No, the first day was... Uh, Man, I'm sorry. There's so much shit I'm I'm trying to organize here. Right. Because for those of you who don't know, CinemaCon is four days long. And uh, so it runs Monday through Thursday. And a lot of people missed the last panel. As all, Yo, Lionsgate got to stop doing this to themselves. They're always the last one. And people are always leaving early so they could catch the whatever big right. Marvel movie oh, that's gotcha. screening. 
either Marvel or whatever screening, they're they're like, yo, we got to go get this movie. Like people were literally after the Paramount panel, people literally ran to the airport got on their planes and then went right to whatever screening they were going for, for <laughs> guardians. Like they, they, they gotta stop doing that shit. So, uh, Sony, Sony's the one that started it. Uh, it opens with a video from Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. They are four weeks into shooting bad boys Four. I didn't even know it was rolling. I, I just thought it was in the Announced. script stages. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was announced. I thought that shit was still in pre-production. Like, I thought that was like, you know, two or three years away. They are shooting and it's going to be out next year. Holy shit. Yeah, I was just like, oh, wow, the turnaround is insane on this. Uh, Well, I hope they don't compromise, you know, quality just to to stay on some kind of fucking track to to make money or whatever like that. Because Bad Boys is close to my heart. You know, it's still one of the the greatest action uh, franchises that we have going. I hope it's good. Like, that's all I'm going to say, because uh, Adil and Bilal, they're owed a win after back <laughs> after Batgirl. Girl. Yeah. Like they even said, like, yo, they met with James Gunn and they want to work in James Gunn's MCU. And James Gunn said, like, yo, listen, no matter what. If this happens again, your movie's going to be released somewhere. Like that shit ain't happening again. Right. So after that, they showed uh, Sony showed Dumb Money, which is a comedy about the GameStop. Uh, well, stock. Like, like GameStop, like the get whatever the yeah, where they juke the the stocks and all the nerds got rich. Now it's a comedy. <sighs> uh, right. They showed the trailer and they showed the opening scene. Movie has. Paul Dano, Seth Rogen, Pete Davidson, Sebastian Stan, Shailene Woodley, Nick Offerman, Dane DeHaan, Anthony Ramos, uh, America Friera, and Vincent D'Onofrio. That is a stacked-ass cast. Right. So, like, uh, whether the movie is going to be good or not, but they, they're they hedging their bets by putting recognizable faces and likable names in there. Uh, they said it's funny. Let's see if – I hope the whole movie's funny. Right. Uh, they showed the first uh, 20 minutes of the Spider-Verse and they said it is basically uh, uh, Loki. It's basically Loki as Spider-Man. I mean, I'm cool with that. Yeah, they said this movie uh, is really going to put Miles through the ringer and then obviously we're going, it's uh, <coughs> ends on a cliffhanger because uh, the next one comes out next year beyond the Spider-Verse. Alright. I mean like look, I uh, I don't have to see anything else about this movie. The ticket has been sold because I'm such a big fan of the first one. Uh, next, uh, well, they said they're still uh, uh, pushing animation forward like it's the same but different. All right. Uh, they showed the trailer for Craven the Hunter. <laughs> uh, I forgot about this. I forgot about this, honestly. I, I forgot about that movie uh, existed, yeah. The dude who wrote and directed it is one of my favorite directors. That's J.C. Chandor. So he did uh, Margin Call, which is like a minor classic to me. Right. Uh, a Most Violent Year, which is an amazing movie. I love that uh, fucking movie. What was that fucking movie he did for Netflix that was like super expensive? That shit was OD expensive. Triple Frontier. Oh, shit. Yeah, he did I- Triple Frontier. Okay. And- 
So he's doing Craven the Hunter. Uh, this is Sony's first R-rated Marvel movie. They say it's hard R. They said the trailer is gruesome, like Craven's just biting people's noses off. People are getting their arms broken. Motherfuckers are having their organs ripped out. Stars Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven. Uh, Russell Crowe's in it. And Ariana DeBose comes out October 5th. Uh, <laughs> sure. Okay. I laughed at this because this shit, I, I saw this, uh, I could not stop laughing. Uh, the villain of the movie is the rhino. The, the, the rhino. Uh, like, is it going to, is, are they going to keep uh, the same cat? Who's, who's playing the rhino? <laughs> I fucking know. I don't fucking know anything. I'm 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 only giving. I'm only going off of what I've read, bro. I, okay, yeah, sure. I, I, look, I I I laughed for 15 minutes because I was just like, so you're having a dude who's mercifully going around murdering people be the hero of this movie, and then you're gonna throw in not somebody from Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery who's a little more grounded, but you're gonna go with somebody in a more fantastical realm. For Craven the Hunter, none of this makes sense. To be honest with you, none of this. But you know, sure. Well, you you take a you take a a a B list character and you pit them up against a a a a, a C list character. Nah, I would say I would say uh, Rhino's B plus. Everybody knows who Rhino is. I'm just, I'm just I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to build, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to get into it. But like, if you if you're you would want someone who's a little bit more recognizable, a little bit more of a uh, you know, a man like has menace to them, and that can connect to whatever you're trying to fucking do in this Spider Verse. You know, my question is, who the fuck is the Spider Man in the world of? this spider verse what this spider verse that sony's building who's the spider-man in this one because they say spider-man exists in the in the morbius universe with venom and now craven the hunter and i'm just like okay so who who's spider-man in this like y'all should have pulled toby Maguire or andrew garfield out your ass a while ago just just on just on hopes and prayers at this point. Ah, oh, Jesus! I, yo, I don't know what to say about yeah, this yeah, shit. Like, I, like, I don't know what you want me to say. I, I don't want you to say anything, man. Like, cause I still like up until you said they showed a trailer, I I had forgotten about it. But before I had forgotten about it, I thought it was a joke. Yo, look, look. I'm going to be real. If somebody can't, if I went to the Sony offices and they sat me down and was like, yo, we want you to make a Craven the Hunter movie. I would be like, yo, where's the cameras? Cause I think I'd be on a prank show. I'd be like, where's the cameras? Where, where's the cameras? And then my, my second question would be like, how, how would this work as a movie? How would this work as a movie? Uh, Cause Venom doesn't really work as movies. Those, right. those don't work. I mean, they work as great comedy, but, uh, not yeah, but not in the traditional comedy right. sense. Right, right. Um, where, where's Bad Bunny in all this? Right. Oh yeah, I forgot. El Muerto uh, drops in January. Okay, cool, cool. So at least we know Craven the Hunter will be better than El Muerto. <laughs> Yo, wait. What if El Muerto is better than Craven the Hunter? 
that make me disappointed because I like, yo, I like JC Chandor right. a lot. He's made great movies. Do I think this movie's gonna be good? No. Like I, I just feel like my manager's like, fuck it. I need a paycheck. I need the exposure. Right, right. I, I I have no faith in this shit being good, but there's no way, there's no way El Murto is gonna be better. A dude who was in three comics. Three comics. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? Oh shit. They have not at least Craven the Hunter, you have years to mine. There's what he has one of the best storylines in Spider-Man lore. Like right. what 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 are you gonna pull from El Morto? I have yeah, no exactly. idea. Exactly. All right. Uh they showed uh a behind the scenes reel of the new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, it's going to be directed by Gil Keenan because Jason Reitman at the last minute was like, I don't feel like directing this. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's going to stay on as producer. Uh, yo, the more I hear about Jason Reitman, the more I'm just like, yo, you are an entitled child. I was like, your father? Yo, is, he, he, is the, he is what Max Landis is, ex- except with a, a bit more talent. Right. Uh, like, I, I don't know anything Uh about Jason Reitman's, uh, you know, personality or history or whatever like that. But like, besides up in the air, like, and I, Juno. I like Juno. All right. But Juno, I'll, like, I will say young adult is, is decent. Young adults. Decent. And, I, and I'll argue the scripts are what make that those movies, you know, right. I don't know. I don't know. Diablo if, Cody's a good writer. Right. Like, I don't know about the direction. Yeah, I've not seen anything from him that would make me leap up and say, like, yeah, this guy is, has it not even up in the air, because like all of his movies seem like anybody could have made those. Right. And like the the last, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife, you're excited because, you know, he's taking up the reins from his father. Right. Right. That's what that was exciting. That was exciting because, you know, he uh he, he grew up like Ghostbusters. Yeah, legacy. Right, legacy. It's family legacy. They're right. keeping it in the family. And you know his dad probably, his dad's still alive. Ivan's still alive, probably like, and daunted him in it and like held his hand there. And as you watch the movie, you're just like, you know, sure. I was right. like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. It, all we know is that the cast from the previous movie is going to be in this one. It takes place entirely in New York City. So, uh Carrie Coon and uh, Paul Rudd are Ghostbusters alongside the kids, and I was like, "Well, that's that's fucking awful. They're yeah. awful adults. Okay. All, right. All right, should not have kids being Ghostbusters." <sighs> Supposedly dropping at Christmas, and I was just like, "Y'all just started shooting in 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 February, though." Oh. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, are y'all not sure next Christmas? Yeah, because like <laughs> if they only started shooting in February, they want like are they doing like Marvel type post where they just don't give a fuck? They're just throwing stuff. I, yo, yo, you know what, the, man? <laughs> you Sony, huh? Sony. Okay. All right. Uh so uh Gran Turismo, they showed the first trailer. It drops in August 11th. Uh they say it looks really fucking good. Uh the trailer that they showed at CinemaCon last week will be dropping later this week. So uh the next regular episode we'll be talking about that trailer. And like I said, I saw the first look 
It was hot. It was hot. Right. I was just right. like, all right, this movie looks hot. Like, okay. but, you know, uh, the Equalizer three, which we'll talk about during trailer talk. Uh, they screened the first 10 minutes from Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Joaquin oh. Phoenix stars as Napoleon. They uh, showed a scene where there was a massive battle sequence where Napoleon surprises an attacking army during winter. It looks insane. It looks big. It looks expensive. I was like, well, shout out to Ridley for getting it greenlit because uh, Kubrick spent his whole life. This was his Moby Dick. Kubrick spent his whole life trying to get this shit made and never could get it made. Well, we like we know Ridley Scott can do epic. You know, he can do those period pieces. He can do those battles. So I would expect nothing less than a, a spectacle. Yeah. Yo, shout out to Ridley Scott. He back on his epic shit because the last duel just came out. He's doing this. This is I I didn't even realize he was shooting this this quick. I remember when it was first announced. Like, it's not from it's not from Stanley Kubrick's script. Like Stanley Kubrick's script is apparently still in the works at Warner Brothers. Like they have that script. They own oh, that really? script. All right. And it's just about finding the right person to get it to screen. Like they said. Before hell freezes over, that movie will be made. All right. Well, you know. Uh, with that said, though, it's wild to me. My man's is back. Now he's doing Gladiator. Uh, Connie Nielsen's back. They announced today Connie Nielsen's back. Oh, shit. Okay. I was All like, right. oh, so this script must be good if she's back. All right. I mean, look, uh, I, I went from thinking Gladiator 2 was a bad idea to being cautiously optimistic, at least by the talent. I kind of wish they did Nick Cave's uh, Gladiator <laughs> 2 script, because that shit is insane. It, I could imagine, I, I would love to smell the disappointment in the air. Just sit there and watch people's reactions. Oh, uh, shit. Ooh, excuse me. All right. So... That was the end of Sony's presentation. They ended on Napoleon, which got everybody's dick hard. And I was like, yeah, you, you saved the best for the end. Right. Warner Brothers, they started off their presentation the next day. Uh, they started off with like a, cl- a quick clips reel. And in that clip, quick clips, quick clips reel, they showed uh, a little bit of Furiosa. And they said Anya Taylor-Joy looks uh, exactly like Charlize Theron. Oh, word. Okay. Yeah, they say, they say, and the brief snippets of action, they're like, oh, George Miller's back on his bullshit. All right. Oh, yes. So the first thing they showed at CinemaCon, Denny came out uh, with Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya, and they did a whole presentation for Doom Part 2. So they talked about the movie. Before they showed the trailer, they were like, you know, Denny said, uh, right now, after I talk to you guys and show this trailer, I'm on my first flight back to L.A. because I'm in a rush to get this movie finished. Right. He's like, there's still so much I got to finish before. uh, He's like, he wants the picture lock by the beginning of October. Because if you guys didn't know, they announced a couple of weeks ago while we're off air. uh. Doom Part 2 will not be premiering at any of the film festivals like Part 1 just because the time crunch on this one is much greater. Okay, that's fine. I mean, they already established. They said uh, the only festival it could possibly make is a New York Film Festival, which it played at. The first one played at New York Film Festival right. anyway. 
right. Well, you know. Um, they, uh, he said, Denny said, um, the first movie is more my style, which is more contemplative. It's like I'm setting up the table. So that way in part two, I want you guys to sit back, relax, have fun and just eat up like a feast. OK. Uh, Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet said that they had they had to really work with Denny on making their love story relatable for the audience just because. If you've seen the first movie, there's a lot of sci-fi terminology, and it's hard to do that when you're making a love story. Mm. It's easy for the first movie because the first movie is about a family, and when the second movie is about a love story and two people falling in love, it's hard to throw all that shit out. So, Denny said uh, the entire movie is shot in IMAX because the first movie was only like a little over an hour. And if you saw it in IMAX, you know how transcendent an experience that was and just how I was just like, damn, this is like watching Lord of Rings or Lawrence of Arabia for like the first time. So the whole movie in IMAX, I was just like, I didn't think I could get more excited for this movie. And I did. So they showed the trailer and even people who hated the first movie were like, yeah, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> they said uh, somehow Denny doubled down on the on the scale of the movie. It's somehow bigger than the first movie. And the first movie is one of the most massive, massively scaled movies I've ever seen. Like if you've seen the first Dune, you understand how fucking big that shit is. And the fact that this movie goes bigger and. uh they said the trailer for this one was relentless. You see Austin Butler's uh, uh, character in the movie. He is a Harkonnen, and they say he looks like a serial killer. Because uh, he, he's he's doing the Bowie role, right? Uh, Sting. For not a, like Sting. Sting. Sting, yeah. yeah, he's doing that role. And the whole movie, there's uh, tension in House Harkonnen because now it's becoming down. Uh, I forget what the dude's name is, the head Harkonnen. Uh, I thought it was just Baron. Uh, well, yeah, so uh, all right. So the Baron is dying because of the poison attack in the first movie. And he right. understands. He's like, he's trying to expand and take over the universe under the Emperor's nose because the Emperor is a fucking idiot and backed him because he was feeling some type of way that Atreides was, you know, gaining influence in the galaxy and favor. People were looking up to them instead of him. So he's trying to under, slyly take over the galaxy and uh, he realizes he's dying. He has to leave this vast empire to one or two people. That is uh, Raba Harkonnen, who was in the first movie played by uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Dave Batista. Right. And then uh, this guy, uh, the new guy. I don't know what his name is, but he's the new Harkonnen played by Austin Butler. And it looks like he's leaning towards Austin Butler's character because not only is he as ruthless and not only ruthless, but a little more crazier than Raba. But he's more he's more smart and cunning than Raba. Uh, his name is uh, Fayed Ruthua. OK, so Fayed. Yeah. Uh, they said this movie is the action sequences are insane. Uh, you get to see. In the trailer that's going to be dropping supposedly before Guardians, uh, you get to see uh, uh, Timmy ride a sandworm. And they say that shit is insane. I cannot wait for this fucking movie. Uh, 
Yeah, they, yeah, they say they say it's it looks and he described they say it's what Denny described, which is an action packed, relentless war movie with a love story at the center. I'm, I'm here for it. One hundred percent. And there's another there's a moral choice that uh, centers that the movie centered on, which is Paul has to make a choice. Does he fight for love, which is Chani and his family, or does he fight for revenge? All right. Well, so uh, after that, they moved to uh, D.C. and D.C. David Zavloff came out and he was just like, yeah, look. Warner Brothers, uh, we're not in the Max business. We're in the theatrical business. All that shit of putting stuff on HBO Max so fast, that's going to stop. He's like, depending, the stuff that's going to hit HBO Max fast is depending on how well it does in theaters. So, like, if a movie does like Shazam, it'll be on HBO Max a little quicker. But if something is successful, they are not going to cut the legs off and throw it straight to streaming. And I'm just like, Universal needs to take note of that because Universal cuts the legs off their own movies and throws it up on Peacock so quickly. Right. And that's how it used to be. You know, like you wouldn't see a movie uh, hit video, DVD or, or streaming for like months, if not a year past when it came out of the theaters. I mean, we'll get to Disney in a second, but there's 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 some stuff in Disney where I'm just like, well, yeah. Um, so he came out and he's like, yo, listen, I, I've seen a rough cut of Dune part two. And he's just like, uh, I'm a fan of the first movie. The second one's better. I promise you it's better. Uh, he's like uh, the Flash. He's like, I'm going to before we show you the movie, I'm going to show you a quick sizzle reel to so we could do the DC and highlight other DC stuff. He's like, I've seen The Flash four times and uh, I love it. And he's like, I can't wait to see the finished product because The Flash is not finished. From the screenings that they did that day, they said there's still some effects works that needs to be done. Otherwise, the sound mix is done. The color timing's done. The score's done. Like everything's done except for uh, effects. They got like 30% left to do. Fine. Take as long as you need to do it. Don't do it like Marvel. Like that's, uh, we'll yeah. get back to the flash because that's what they ended their presentation on. Uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran came out and they talked about DC and they, uh, they are just happy to be building something that they think will appeal to everybody. So if one movie doesn't work for you, maybe something else will, because it's not going to be what they said, what, how they're going to differ from Marvel is, each film will have its own different tone. So like Batman's going to be dark. Superman's going to be like a family movie. Uh, You know, Creature Commandos is going to be more for adults. Waller's more of an espionage show. Huh. Interesting. You know, like the comic books that they're based on. Just like in movies in general, you know, how they're all fucking different. Yeah, he, he, he gets it. Like... It will, we'll talk about this later on in our main review. He he gets it. He straight up said that is how you battle superhero fatigue. Um, they uh, they showed a little bit of uh the color purple. They say it looks amazing. They said the songs are actually catchy, and they said this is not the same color purple that was based. It's. 
it's all the same story, but it's not the same. Like there's certain stuff in the original color purple that won't make it over here. And I was like, okay, so I'm hoping it's all the rape and incest. (laughs) Cause they're, they're trying to make this into like a family friendly four quadrant blockbuster musical. Uh, It's coming out at Christmas. Okay. I mean, and everybody says they're like, well, well, uh, look, it, uh, this uh looks like WB's trying to not only make money but uh get them awards. I don't yeah. Well they gotta try something because you know what they've been doing is failing miserably. Margot Margot, Greta, Ryan, and America Fiera came out and presented some uh sizzle reel for Barbie. They talked about the movie, and everybody says it looks pretty fucking funny. Okay. Uh, Timothy Chalamet came back out and he ended the panel. Uh, well, excuse me, before we get to that, they showed the trailer for the Meg to the trench directed by Ben Wheatley, which is insane. Uh, Ben Wheatley. (laughs) When you told me this, I was like, I thought you were joking. Um, this dude, I would never expect him to do a studio movie because I know he was attached to Tomb Raider for the longest time. And I'm like, what? Why the fuck is he doing Tomb Raider? Now he's doing the Meg 2. And they say the trailer starts off with one of the Megs eating a dinosaur in pre- prehistoric times. And because it's called the Trench, they unlock something from one of the trenches. So now there's two more Megs. So there's three Megs. There's three Megs. It comes out this August and the trailer will be dropping soon. They say it looks insane. I'm like, damn, Jason Statham has his own fucking franchise. That's more fast and furious than more fast than fast and furious. And I cannot wait for it. How'd they get Ben Wheatley is what I want to know. How, why did they, how and why? Like what was his ang- like, I, I, I got so many questions. Did they approach him or was he like, Hey, I have an idea for the Meg part two. Go with me on this. Like, there's the last- like four or five books in the series too. So if this one does good, like, yo, y'all, we're going to get all these books into movies. <laughs> what was the last thing Ben Wheatley did? Wasn't it like uh, High Rise? In the or- Earth. In the Earth. Okay. Which I'm going to watch tonight. Uh, people saying the Meg 2 is amazing uh they showed the trailer for the nun 2 uh okay i haven't heard anything uh, about it other than they showed it which tells me all i need to know because the first one i was just like sure yeah all right cool i was like it's just jump scares um and then they ended on wonka and they say wonka is from paul king paul king is the writer and director of paddington one and two and they said this looks just as good if not better than those Paddington movies. I was like, "Damn." Now I see why Paul King was like, "Yo, listen, I'm not doing I'm not doing Paddington 3. Right. I'll do Wonka. It's an origin story. Uh it's a musical that you get a you get a okay. hint of the songs in this trailer, but they said the very end brought down the house, which was Hugh Grant as a Oompa Loompa. They said that shit brought down the house. Okay. Yo, I, I love how Hugh Grant's having a resurgence. And he's doing movies that I was like, he, he wouldn't be caught dead like 20 years ago right. doing at his height. He'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Now he's just having fun. So, yeah, that was the Warner Brothers panel. 
Uh, uh, and then after Warner Brothers panels, they're like, all right, wait, they did show the Blue Beetle trailer during the DC. Right. It was an extended trailer, and they say the action looks incredible. All right. And it like, looks bigger than what the first trailer was. Like I like I said before, like I I kind of fucked with the Blue Beetle trailer, and it, it just looked like I, what I wanted from Shazam, you know? Uh, I forgot to talk about this during the DC presentation of Aquaman. They dropped the trailer for Aquaman uh, and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, they said it looks much, much bigger than the first movie. Uh, it's basically about uh, uh, what's my man's name? Black Manta. He gets right. a black trident and he gets like uber strong. So Aquaman must team up with Orm, which was his brother. And uh if you don't remember from the mo- movie, you can call me Ocean Master. They always had that dramatic pause whenever he said <laughs> he said that 10 times in the movie. You can call me dramatic pause Ocean Master. And there was always that music that went dun, dun, dun. I was like, goddamn, goddamn 80, 80 music, 80 cheesies music shit. You can call. I'm not Orm. I'm Ocean Master. Dun, dun, dun. Um, uh, here's here's the thing, it, Aquaman. Like they haven't. No one's said shit about this movie for like the last six months, right? Um, I don't know if I can get excited for it or not. You know, like, let me see a trailer. Let me see a trailer. This sounds. I think it sounds a little stupid that uh they're bringing Orm back. Right. Like, just keep him in prison. Like. Look, I get it. Black Manta's a powerful villain, like, but I'd rather see him fight him one on one than some fucking buddy, some midnight run fucking dumb shit. <laughs> or no, nah, this is more forty eight hours. I don't want to see no forty eight hours under the sea. I'm sorry. I but I would like to see uh, a, a forty eight hours remake with superheroes though. That might be yeah, cool. Not not with Aquaman. Oh, not with Aquaman, but like just the concept. Uh, coming out. This is also coming out at Christmas. Uh, Warner Brothers seems to want to not make money because they're putting three movies out at the same fucking time. I think that's stupid, to be wait, honest with you. Wait, so they're putting Aquaman out in December? So it's going to be Aquaman, Color Purple, and Wonka all drop within a week of each other. That's that's stupid, that's stupid. right? Like Color Purple and Wonka. Perfect for December. You're gonna right, because eat everything. One, one, they're both they're both musicals. They're both geared towards families, and both could bring in. Honestly, they could feed into each other because if they're both good, then the family's gonna come out and be like, "Yo, let's go see the other musical, right. the other family friendly musical." That's right. stupid. Yeah, that's fucking stupid on every level. I'm sorry. That's that's that just is, fucking that is, stupid. That is a, that is a that is a block like your Aquaman is a blockbuster movie. It's a summer movie. Right, it like. Even I mean, though- the first Aquaman came out at Christmas too and made a billion dollars. Right, that's fine. My thing is, you cannot. If these were three different studios, I'd be like, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. That shit happens. The same studios putting out three big movies, and they're all kind of going after the same audience. That right. makes no sense. I guess they figure like if they flood the marketplace with their product. Then no one else is gonna see it. Like have room, I guess. I guess that's the theory. I don't know. Fuck. I don't. I, it's it's 
It's real stupid. Uh, so they right after that, they told everybody, kick me. If you want to see the flash, you got to go outside and get in line. Everybody ran out, got in line, and then they let them back in instead of just, you know, everybody's already settled in their seats and just be like, all right, here's the movie. They went. Right. I was like, well, that made no sense. But whatever. Uh, they showed the movie. Uh, everybody basically has been parroting what what people have been already been saying. Like, it's it's good. Like I don't I don't know what else to say at this point other than it's good. So. Yeah, I mean, does, I mean look uh, from the trailer alone, it had me sold. And then like you got Tom Cruise saying uh, that he loved it. You got uh, uh, fucking uh, James Gunn saying it's the best superhero movie he's ever seen. You know, like. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna be real life. with you. I, I, I'm gonna be real. I'm, uh, if the Flash is as good as they say it is, that that means that's coming out two weeks after uh, Spider Verse, and Spider Verse we already know is gonna be good. Right. So like, I don't need any more superhero movies because like now, like Blue Beetle, fine, right? Right. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll wait and see with Blue Beetle. But now I'm looking at the Marvels. I'm looking at Craven the Hunter. I'm looking at Aquaman. I'm like, who? Like, I'm you like, can, you can't compete. Like yeah. you're. You, what? Why bother? Why, why right. bother? Like, I, honestly. Anyways, let's get to uh, Disney. Disney did their CinemaCon uh, presentation. They started off with Marvel. And the only thing they showed was a clip for, for volume three. And I'm like, why not just show the movie? But right. whatever. All right. Yeah. Uh, they only showed a clip for volume three. And then the trailer that was already put out for uh, the Marvels. Nothing else. No preview for Captain America. No like concept reel for any of the other shit they have on deck. It was just that. Okay, all right. So not a lot of faith. Not a lot of faith. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, guys, CinemaCon is for people in the exhibition industry. So like projectionists, people who run theaters, like every single like IMAX, Dolby, everybody that has to do with theatrical, whether you own a mom and pops chain or big AMC chain, they were there, including journalists and film critics. So like, if I'm trying to sell, look, if if I'm trying to re like reassure, like have people yeah. that, Hey, listen, Marvel, the golden goose is still going to be that golden goose. I, I would have done more. <laughs> Uh, all right so then after that they showed the first 20 minutes of elemental in 3d uh they said the 3d is avatar level 3d and the animation is gorgeous and it feels like old pixar okay all right uh the next thing they showed was next goal wins which we'll get into in trailer talk then they showed the trailer for uh, Gareth Edwards' new movie, which it's co- these two movies are coming out under the fo- 20th Century banner because these can't come out under Disney. Right. So 20th Century Studios, they showed the trailer for the creator, which is Gareth Edwards' new movie. Gareth Edwards' did uh, Godzilla, Monsters, Rogue One. Uh, they say the creator looks insane. I remember when this was... Uh, first announced is true love and they said it was an epic sci-fi movie starring john david washington and Gemma chan 
And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm really excited to see that because Greg Frazier's the DP. I was like, I'm really excited to see what this right. is because they say the script is amazing. They say the trailer is crazy. It is a giant sci-fi epic. Uh, they said it blew everybody in that auditorium away. Comes out September 29th. All right, so uh, hopefully we'll be getting that trailer soon. Uh, then they showed a big action-packed chase from Indiana Jones. And depending on who you ask, people were either really excited by it or just like, it's fine. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I think nostalgia is going to carry this movie a long way. You know, just like when we got The Force Awakens, you know, people instantly loved it because it was Star Wars um, and it wasn't the the, the prequel trilogy, right? Uh, I think it's going to be the same thing with this new Indiana Jones film. Like, you're going to love it the first time you see it, but on repeat viewings, it's like, uh From the people who said, oh, this looks fine, they said they probably, uh, if they wanted people to be very excited, they should have showed the whole movie. And they said they don't know if it's a good thing or if it's a bad thing that they didn't really show anything outside of this 10-minute chase scene from the right. movie. Right. Because they showed the first 20 minutes of this new Pixar movie. I mean. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> uh. After that, uh, they show the they close out their uh, their CinemaCon presentation with another 3D presentation. It was Ursula uh, Melissa McCarthy, as you guys know, is playing Ursula the Sea Witch in uh, the Little Mermaid, which is coming out in three weeks. Holy shit, that is approaching quick. Right. Um, they showed a whole sequence of her singing one of the songs called Poor Unfortunate Souls, and it won the whole room over. They're like, holy shit. And I was just like, okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. I would rather sit through a good movie than a bad movie. I want everything to be good because there's nothing worse than me sitting through a movie, and I was like, that's a waste of fucking time. Right. The, like I understand why this is made. They're gonna make their money because that's why it was made. But I mean, surprise me. At least I, try to do something. I've got no expectations for this movie. Right, like, I don't good, either because it's not bad. for me. Right, it's not for me. Yeah. And all I can hope for is that it's good. Yeah. So the people who are going to see it, I'm gonna be like, yeah, go see it. It's good. Right. Uh, hopefully our, our hopefully the screenings in 3D since they said this 3D is insane. And it's formatted for IMAX because they showed them the footage on IMAX. Okay. All right. Look, I mean, the trailer looked beautiful. It's it's a little mermaid. And like, what do you want to say? Yeah. Shout out to Disney for going all in on IMAX, though. I miss you. Uh, we were talking about this the other day. Uh, they need a reason to upcharge people. I mean, yo, if you want, if you want a cinematic experience, I mean, it is IMAX. Right. Right. I mean. Uh, so after that, it was Universal. Universal uh, started their presentation, and they had they had their uh, brand new uh, bottom bitch because WB lost their bottom bitch. Fucking Nolan walked on stage. They said, 
almost like his dick was swinging side to side. He was so confident in his walk up on stage. They said niggas stood up and applauded. <laughs> just him walking up on stage. And he's just like, yeah, so I'm here to show you a little bit of Oppenheimer. He's like, look, I'm not uh, I'm not the important people in the room right now. You guys are. I, I make this for you guys because you guys are what keeps magic alive. The magic isn't what I do. The magic is what you guys do, which is proper projection, proper sound, proper masking on a huge ass screen that you cannot replicate at home. That's why I do what I do. And he's just like, I've made another movie for you guys that can't be replicated at home. And I'll show you why in a little bit. He's And he got into his whole presentation. He was just like, I made this movie because for better and for worse, Oppenheimer was the most important man who ever lived. Like he, he changed the game for right. better and for worse. Okay. He's like, you might not, you, you're going to watch this movie and there's going to be stuff about him you like and there's going to be stuff about him you absolutely hate. He's a complicated human being. And I think this movie's important. I think it's a summer blockbuster that's going to work for across all demographics. And he's just like, all right, pl- play it. They showed them 10 minutes. It was like 10 minutes from two different scenes. Mm-hmm. And they said once those 10 minutes were done, the motherfuckers jumped up to their feet and started clapping. And everybody started tweeting out. They're like, this is going to be a blockbuster. This is going to hit. This is going to make money. Mad people were saying, May, and Nolan may be getting his first Oscar. He oh, may be shit. getting his first Oscar. Right. This, this may be making money. People, the one thing they said besides it being a blockbuster making money in Oscars is that it is the most intense thing they've ever sat through in a theater. They thought the one dude was like, I thought the dude next, there's an older gentleman sitting next to me and I thought he was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Uh, I don't Should mean I to describe the it. footage or or save that. Save save that man. Like you just because uh, I we, told I told you right. I told yeah. you the footage. Yeah, yeah you told so. me the footage. Like like it, we're gonna see footage from this soon enough. Like the the, the world. No, before Nolan walked off stage and did his big dick uh, walk off stage, he's like new trailer in front of Guardians of the Galaxy later. <laughs> all right and he's probably and he, i guarantee you probably said keep this off record but y'all niggas better play this in front of every movie before <laughs> before this shit comes out uh, oh shit uh, so after that universal uh they br- <laughs> what a shift in tone they brought will ferrell out on stage okay okay <laughs> With, with a bunch of dogs to do a presentation for strays. Yeah, yeah I, I think they got the order mixed up, you know, like, because you can't, like, how are you going to follow uh, Oppenheimer with a talking dog movie? Yeah, people were like, it looks funny. Like, people were like, all right, it looks funny. They're like, it looks it looks funny. Yeah, the trailer looks funny. Like, fucking talking dogs. You can't go wrong. <laughs> then they brought uh, Jason Blum and David Gordon Green out for a movie called Exorcist Believer. Exorcist the Believer. Uh, apparently, after making uh, the first Halloween while he was working on the sequels, 
David Gordon Green got an idea for, for how to do the exorcist and pitched it to Jason Blum. And Jason Blum was like, yeah, sure. I'll green light it. Let me, let me get the rights. He got the rights. He's like, it's all yours. Uh, Ellen Burstyn's back. Uh, what's her face? Who Linda played Blair. Reagan? Linda Blair's back. Yeah. Uh, I forget who the man. It's it's a black man taking care of two girls. So it's uh-huh. his daughter and his daughter's friend. These two girls are possessed. So that's the movie. It's two two possessions. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, look after Halloween ends. I don't know if I want to see. Yeah, that's know, what I'm the- saying. I, I'm not. I'm. I'll say this. I'll wait and see. All right. Because right. the first Halloween, I was like, "This is hard," and that's it for me. There's only two Halloween. Well, three Halloweens. The OG Halloween three, and David Gordon Green's Halloween. Like that. Those are. That's my. Those are mine. And that's fair. Right. That's that's fair. That's my trilogy. Uh. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because maybe this one will be good and the sequels may be shit. Because this is a, they reiterated multiple times, this is the first of a trilogy. And I'm just like, you know, how about working on one and getting the first one right before y'all start putting the cart before the horse? I I blame Star Wars for all this trilogy bullshit. You know, like, can we just get a movie? Can we just get one fucking movie? Look, there's a reason why Denny didn't make one and two back to back, even though he wanted to. And honestly, it sounds like it's better for it that he didn't shoot these movies back to back. Right. Like, make, focus on making the best one you can before you start thinking about two. Once one comes out and everybody loves it and it makes the money, then you'd be like, all right, let's get into two. And I, and I I get it from a studio like approach is like yeah you want the most bang for your buck you want if it, if it's a success you want that IP to keep rolling and making money, but from a story point of view like can I just get a story that has a beginning middle and end, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen or in the second one or the third one. Yeah. Uh, they brought out so after that they brought out Justin Timberlake and uh, so the trailer for that will be dropping soon by the way for Exorcist Believer or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick came up and they talked about Trolls band together showed the trailer and I was just like alright and then Jack Black came out and described because the trailer's not ready so he stood on stage and acted it out and described the trailer for kung fu panda 4 <laughs> coming out in march and this is another okay. one where i'm just like damn yo y'all universal's just digging up all the dreamworks's uh animated franchises <laughs> like getting another shrek goddamn resurrecting how to train your dragon even though that had an ending like a clear ending they even right. said like this is the final one and then they're like all right, so live action remake. So we're gonna resurrect that. Uh, damn, they pet cemeterying all they shit. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we get Mega Mind two or a Shark's Tale two. Oh shit! All yeah, right. yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Okay. After that, <laughs> they brought out Tyrese, Michelle Rodriguez, Jordana Brewster. Soon Kong and Vin 
to take everybody through the fast saga from one to 10. And they ended on a presentation of 10. Uh, People said 10 looks fun. It looks big. Uh, They're excited. And then was like, uh, Michelle Rodriguez said, like, I want to thank you guys for believing in this franchise because this is the first franchise to be led by people of color before it was popular. And I was like, she's right. Right. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. Uh, and then Vin Diesel, he before they all walked off the stage, Vin Diesel's like, uh, after this explosive summer, I'm, I'm re- this is a quote, not me making this up. So this is a quote. After this explosive summer, I will stand before you again for part two in 2025. Thank you for adopting us as a world saga. Huh? This is a two-parter. Yeah. Because this yeah. is the final one. Right, so he's right, right. saying, I'm coming back. All right. Because Louis Letier is doing the next one, too. Uh, okay. All right. Well, so well, yeah, that's right. another one I guess we'll be seeing soon because that drops in two weeks. Does it? Jesus Christ! May nineteenth. It's it's now officially May first as oh, of this God. recording. May first. So it's dropping. Yeah, it's dropping in two weeks. All right, Jesus. Time is flying. Yes. Yes. Uh, Universal. Then after that, they had a. They brought out all these stunt people doing all this crazy stunt work. And everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Like doing all these dangerous stunts on stage. And then after that, Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt and David Leach came out. And they're like, yeah, we're here to present our movie, The Fall Guy. It's about uh, a stunt man who's pulled back in to do a something, a movie. But this movie ends up being a heist. And it gets out of hand. So, like they said, there's all these massive stunts in here. So, the, Ryan Gosling is doing a movie based on the TV show, The Fall Guy. Is that is that what's going on? Like, this okay. is an original movie. Yeah. Uh, so, in addition to Blunt and Gosling, it's also starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, Winston Duke, Stephanie Sue. And they said, this looks like a bigger and much better bullet train. And I was like, okay. Okay. Let's wait and see. Because I thought bullet train looked dope. So this one, I'm like, let's wait and see. Comes out next March. And then as a surprise, Donna Langley, she came out. uh, She's like, yeah, so uh, we we weren't going to do this. But I thought, why not leave leave you guys with a big surprise? Something to... uh, Get the engine revving and get the internet uh, talking. You guys are going to be the first people to see footage from Wicked Part 1. Okay. So they showed Wicked Part 1. They say it looks it looks its budget. <laughs> what was its budget? 200. Holy shit. Uh, for, bo- for those for of you who don't know, Wicked is a musical based on The Wizard of Oz, specifically about the Wicked Witch and her good sister, Glenda. Uh, Broadway musical is one of the most popular musicals behind Hamilton. Tickets are OD expensive. Uh, this is a two-parter. So you're getting part one next Christmas and then part two the following Christmas. Uh they built massive sets for this. They say the sets are massive. They look ma- they look massive. They said the songs are good and the action actually looks like it's from an action movie. I was like, okay, oh, all right. right, 
right, cool. I was like, damn, musicals having a resurgence. Let's just hope they good, man. Because it's like, look, I, I don't want them to die. I mean, musicals are never going to die, but like, uh, it's not going to. It's we're we're getting back to how it was in you know, like the fifties and sixties, where everything was a fucking musical, uh, and I'm not mad at that. Uh, the musical. Uh, listen, listen. When a musical is good, it's good because you're seeing magic on screen. Because the hardest thing to make movies are hard to make as is, right? But the hardest thing to make is a musical just because you have to sell people on the heightened world of people singing all the time. Right. And then to make it good, the songs have to be good. Right. And the, and, and like the choreography has to be on point. Like, yeah, you know, it's 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 movies plus. Yes, 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 yes. Yo, let me make a music musical on IMAX, nigga. All right, go. You have my permission. I will give you. There you go. Uh, if anyone's listening out there, uh, Brandon wants to do a musical. What? What? You should do some real weird too. Like uh, I want to do the Tupac musical. All right, yeah, do a Tupac musical. And remember, right. remember how earlier how you know how obsessed I am with Menace to Society. Yeah. I told you the reason why I'm so obsessed with it is because I'm trying to make that into a musical. I mean. I have heard worse ideas. I have. All I'm right. trying to get my EGOT off of that. <laughs> uh, shit. And uh, so the next day, it was CinemaCon. Everybody's buzzing. Everybody's saying Universal had the best presentation because uh, it was well-paced. They brought out their big guns and they ended on Wicked. I was like, damn, Wicked is that beloved? I was like, Am I gonna have to like find a Taurus and pull the zibzab to see this play? Yeah, I mean theater nerds be theatering, you know. Like uh, when it comes to Broadway, like uh, translations from Broadway to to screen, it, it's a blank check. You gonna make so much money. So, uh, Paramount, they uh. The, the the head of Paramount came out and he was just like, yo, listen, Paramount, the reason why we're still alive is because y'all went to go see our movies in theaters. So like, you know, Top Gun, Smile, all, all that made money before. And, and they're another one. They they, they got to stop this, too, is they put stuff too fast on Paramount Plus, to be right. honest with you. And they killed their own legs. They got to stop doing that shit. And they understand that. They say, like, theatrical remains the cornerstone of our business and streaming cannot work without theatrical because all the shit that uh, makes streaming work is movies that people have already seen in theaters. Right. Because they said they've done a poll. They've done a national survey poll. 90% of people said they still see movies in theaters and then they'll watch the same movies on streaming because it's comfort food for them. Yeah, and I I get that, and that's that's how it should be. Right. So he he started off the presentation. He's like, "Yo, listen, we we don't have. We're gonna show you what we have to show today, but you know, maybe next time we'll have Smile Two to show you. We'll have Sonic Three to show you. You know, we got Gladiator Two to show you next year. He's like, I promise you, next year we're gonna give you guys these movies. But as of now." Let's start off with 
some mayhem. And they had a bunch of break dancers and skateboarders come out <laughs> with a DJ for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Okay. <laughs> they showed an extended preview for it. And they say it's real fucking weird. Seth Rogen just got a blank check to do a kids movie. A Seth, it's basically a Seth Rogen kid, Seth Rogen kids movie. So it's the first movie where you could take your kid. It's the first Seth Rogen movie you could take your kids to. Right, but also going real fucking high. So, ooh, excuse me. After that, Rihanna walked out on stage, super pregnant. Everybody's like, she looked glamorous. She looked like a movie star. Rihanna's like, yeah, y'all probably wondering why I'm here. I'm here to be promoting the new Smurfs movie. I'm Smurfette. I'm writing and performing new songs. And trust me, if this movie was some bullshit, I want to be out here. Okay. Sure. I'm going to say this. I'll, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt because it can't be worse than what Sony did. Right. So is this is this a, a, a reboot or is it like in yeah, that it's same- a new studio? That was all Sony before. I, I mean, I never saw those other Smurf movies because they were horrible. Yeah. yeah, they looked horrible. They were horrible from what I've heard. Even when they decided to do an animated family movie, it was still was shit. All right. Well, yeah, the Smurfs movie. All right. Cool. Uh, And then after uh. Apparently, after she right after she walked off stage, guess who ran up to her for a picture? I don't know. Only picture he took up, he took that day because everybody else, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here after this. I don't know who Chris Scorsese. Oh shit! Scorsese ran up to her, he's like, "Yo, can I get a picture?" I'm like, "Damn, Scorsese, Rihanna fan too, just like the rest <laughs> of us." All right, all right. Yo, shout out, shout out to Scorsese. He knows, he knows good music, nigga. He got the Rolling Stones and Rihanna. <laughs> uh, after that, the dude who runs Paramount came back out. Was like, yeah, Paw Patrol was our one of our highest grossing movies during the height of the pandemic, and that dropped the same day as uh, that dropped in theaters and on Paramount Plus on the same day. This new one is gonna drop just in theaters. And we have the biggest celebrity in the world in this. He's like Kim Kardashian and her kids. North and Saint will be the stars of this. And I was just like, all right, sure, man. Look, I ain't hate the first one because the first one, there's, they had a talking dog dealing with PTSD. I was just like, that. I wasn't expecting that from a kid's movie. Right, right. And you know what? If I get it, I, I will not go to a screening of this. But if you guys send me a screener link, I'll gladly watch it. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. Paw Patrol too. All right, cool. It's, it's not again. I ain't the target audience for this, right. so I can't get mad at this. I'm like, it made money, it made kids happy, and the first one, it tried. It tried more than most recent Marvel movies. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so what does that say when a Paw Patrol movie has more pathos than a fucking two hundred million dollar blockbuster? All right, right. So I mean, all right, cool. Uh. They showed some Transformers Rise of the Beast, a new trailer, which premiered the same day. They showed the ne- that trailer there. And then right after that, they showed a trailer for a new Transformers movie that's coming out next year called Transformers 1. Uh, it's an animated film, July 19th next year. Uh, Chris Hemsworth is Optimus Prime. Brian Tyree Henry is Megatron. Scarlett Johansson is Alita. 
Keegan-Michael Key is Bumblebee, John Hamm is Sentinel Prime, and Lawrence Fisherburn is Alphatron. This oh, animation oh. looks wild. It looks weird. Okay. Sure. All right. Yeah. Fuck it. And then they showed the trailer for uh, Bob Marley, One Love. Ziggy came out. Ziggy said, you know, I was a consultant on this movie. This movie stays true to my father and who he was. My father was a complicated man. Uh, he's like, there's stuff about him you're going to like. There's stuff about him you're not going to like. Uh, they showed the trailer. The trailer had a lot of passion, a lot of pride, a lot of amazing music, and a lot of weed. They said okay. the trailer is amazing and is due out next year. Okay. Uh, and then finally, their presentation ended on two things. John Krasansky came out and showed the first trailer for A Quiet Place Day One. He's a producer on it and a consultant on it. They say it looks insane. It looks intense because it's the alien invasion set in New York City. Oh, shit. OK. All right. Yeah. They say it looks fucking wild. All I was right. like, damn. It sounds like Krasansky didn't uh, is about to be uh, not direct the best one in this series, huh? I mean, I, I look. I don't. Let, let's see some footage. Let's you know. Let, let, let's see what it does. But like in a quiet place too, in the beginning when they showed that alien invasion, it was fucking. It was fucking amazing. It was right. terrifying. So yeah. I can't. I can't imagine that in New York City. Yep, and that's the whole movie. Yeah, so, all right. So then they brought out my my, my boy Scorsese, and Scorsese is just like, yo, listen, y'all know who I am. Y'all know what I do. I make movies for the for the, for the the big screen, your, your screens. All you people, I make movies for your screens. Uh, and you'll see why I made this movie for you. That he said, this is my sixth movie with Leonardo DiCaprio, my 10th with Robert De Niro, and it's my first time with both of my two stars in one movie. And yeah, he cool. walked off stage and they showed the trailer and they're just like, holy shit. I was like, yeah, Scorsese. Scorsese doing a Western. That's all you have to say. It is a minute or two shorter than uh, The Irishman. All right. So it's not four hours like everybody was rumored. It's it's close to three and a half because the Irishman was three and a half. So it's like a minute or two shorter than the Irishman. That's that's fine. So, yeah, they're just they're just like so it, they're saying it looks like a three pronged Oscar race so far between Oppenheimer, this and Dune. And I was like, oh, my three favorite directors going to be like. In a battle royale. This is going to be a good year for to be a cinema lover. Yeah. Yeah. They said it was a huge round of applause at the end of the trailer. People stood up and clapped. Can't wait for the trailer to drop. They said it's going to drop any day now. Any day now. Because the movie's going to have its world premiere in Cannes at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, That's at the end of this month, I think. Yeah, it's at the end of this month. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll, I guess we'll be hearing soon. And it's playing out of competition at Khan, even though the dude who runs Khan wanted it in competition. But Marty says it probably won't be done when it screens at Khan. 
All right, so that's why a, it's out of a, competition. Right, a work print. Okay, well, it's still. He said he said it's ninety percent done. He just has a few more things to do. So you uh, can take, take as much time as you want. They ended. They ended CinemaCon on the new Mission Impossible trailer. They announced that it's coming out two days early, so okay. it could have a little more time in IMAX because this whole movie is shot in IMAX. Uh, because it's only going to play now. It'll only play a week and a half in IMAX before uh, before uh, Oppenheimer opens. Okay. And of course, Oppenheimer is going to get the priority just because it's Nolan and. They got the prints. Right, right. He has right. the IMAX film prints. Uh, so after they showed the trailer, they showed them the first twenty minutes of the movie, and the first twenty minutes is a car chase, which you see in the trailer. It's that yellow car with him and Haley Atwell are riding around in. Uh, it's a gun. There's a car chase, a gun battle, and four different groups of people chasing both Haley Atwell and Ethan Hunt. And it leads directly into the opening credit sequence, which they also showed in full over, you know, the iconic music. Right. So Dead Reckoning Part One now opening July 12th instead of July 14th. And so the last <laughs> the last <laughs> was Lionsgate. And uh, there's not really much <laughs> from this. I'm be real with you. Lionsgate, they showed. Their, their presentation had all about my father, the blackening white bird, which we'll get into in trailer yeah. talk, Expendables 4, Saw 10, and the new Hunger Games. And they said Wait, the, the only... The, the Saw what? 10 coming out? What? Yeah, October, Saw 10. Jesus Christ. All right. Again, what do you want me to say? I, I, don't, want, I don't want you to say anything. I, I'm just trying to... Uh. Again, this presentation happened on the last day. It was the last presentation because after the Paramount presentation, everybody's like, time to go see Guardians. Like, we got to get the fuck out of Dodge and see Guardians. Uh, yeah, the, there's no information on the Lionsgate panel other than they showed Joyride in full. And I know, Jeff, you said you're looking forward to it. And I guess your instinct was right because people really liked the movie. They showed the movie. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, Expendables. All they put out was like a little title treatment with who's going to be in it. So, so it's going to star Jason Statham, co-star Fifty Cent, Randy Couture's in it, and a bunch of other dudes. And then Stallone is at the bottom, so he's literally in it as a cameo. So it's literally Jason Statham and Fifty Cent leading the Expendables. So now Jason Statham has two franchises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But damn, yo, Lionsgate's really digging the bottom of the barrel, man. They resurrecting Saw. Yo, Spiral just flopped. And if you cannot make a movie, a Saw movie with Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock work, you just can't make these work. Right, right. I, I like, I, I'm done with yes. those. Like, I don't, there's so many twists and turns and convoluted backstories. <laughs> Like, fucking just do come up with something new. Jigsaw's been dead since Saw 3, and yet every Saw since then, he's had 10 fucking different apprentices waiting in the wings, just waiting on standby. Right? It's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's done. It's, it's done. wild. It's wild. It, it is wild. Uh, I'm looking at this, and I'm just like, 
about my father that looks funny, but I don't know if I'd be like showing it off. The blackening looks fucking stupid. Joyride, people loved. Uh, White Bird, which is a they're billing it as a wonder story. And wonder, for those of you who don't know, is that Julia Roberts, uh, Owen Wilson inspirational movie that opened against Justice League and ate Justice League's lunch. (laughs) That's some shit right there where Justice League loses to wonder. Wonder made money hand over fist. Uh, I want you. We'll get into that in trailer talk. Expendables four, which they ain't show anything. Saw six, they ain't showing, or saw ten, they ain't show anything. And Hunger Games, we'll get into in trailer talk. So that that was CinemaCon. Because Joyride, it seemed people really loved. It was really funny. It was filthy, has lots of vomit, lots of drugs, <laughs> lots of sex. So, hey, you, cool. you, it's you, a bunch, it, you know, it's listen, Asian ladies, y'all are funny. Y'all got a lot of Asian comedians who are hilarious, but you like, could, you'll never lose if you aim for the lowest denom- common denominator. I, I, look, I'll, I'll see it. When it when it drops, right? I, if I get a screening, cool. If not, fine. But like, right. I, I'm I'm not excited for for that. So that that's CinemaCon. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot. Look, uh, I don't I don't. Line, yo, Lionsgate out here struggling, bro. <laughs> Every, I mean, even Paramount came out and like was like, yo, we got this, and they're just like, we got some title treatments. <laughs> Wait, saw We got some title treatments for reheated franchises. Look, we changed the font. Yeah, and they copied Fast and Furious, so it's Saw X. So Saw Ten, Roman numeral ten. Yeah, yeah. It works for Fast and Furious because they know what they are, bro. Garbage. Oh boy! All right. So uh, before we get into what have you watched lately, let's get into Perry Mason. Uh, this season was great. Uh, I really liked how it turned out. There was twists and turns, and I, I had no idea how they were going to take this from week uh, to week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the last two episodes, I could you know you could you see where it's building to, um, but from the beginning of the 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 season to to now, like it's almost like it became a different show you know um and it's it's i love the first season a lot of people thought it was too slow yada 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 you don't have that problem with this season you know um and everything or everyone has a resolution that i'm okay with yeah, uh, I, I hope it gets renewed for a season three because season three is going to be real interesting. I read uh, I read some articles with the showrunner and they asked like, hey, is Paul going to be in the third season? He's like, yeah, this is uh, a three protagonist show, which is Perry, Della and Paul. So Paul will be back in the next season. He just might not be directly working with Perry, but eventually he will be with Perry because that's just, he's like, that's the nature of this. We want, we want Paul to be his own man, but he will come back eventually into the main story. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, it's better than season one, like 10 times better. 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely an improvement over season one. Um, it's a, a more cohesive narrative. Um, and, you know, that when the case shifts, right, and it's not so much about proving the innocence, but finding out who set everything up. Right. Like, it became, like, it, it's like from week to week, it's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I got nothing else to say, so let's move right into uh, Succession, which has been uh, watching two dumbasses just Thank stumble. You. Stumble. They Especially are... Roman. Roman's a fucking idiot. No, no, you know what? I, I hate Kendall now, because Kendall is so... Uh, in uh, he's got uh, this idea of him trying to be his father, right? Right. And he's, and honestly, if I'm in his position, like I'm about to make ten billion dollars just myself, I'm out. Like I'd be like, yo, sh-. I would stick to the original plan, which is like us three run our own company and let's get this money and build our shit. Because fuck that. I like I know. I know Alexander Skarsgård, out of spite, was big dick in them. I was like, all right, ATN is mine now. But I mean, like, who cares? ATN, I like, I would be like, all right, I don't care. Like, we're Like, I know that's near and dear. That's, I I understand that's near and dear to Logan's heart. And that's why they want to keep it because Logan really wanted to keep it. But like, who cares? Who cares? You guys could build your own. TV media conglomerate, which they were going to do. And now Kendall's like, we should be running the company. This should be our company. And I'm just like, no, man, just get your money and get the fuck out. Like build your own fucking thing. You have a, it's like they can't be happy just being rich. Yes. Right. And not like, not even rich, wealthy. Right. Right, like ah, it's this and, last episode. I just wanted to punch fucking Kendall in the face. Hey man, he pulled off that presentation. Yeah, he pulled off the presentation, but like, just and take Alexander the money and run. He fucked up. He fucked up pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, but you know, out of spite, Alexander Skarsgård is still going to pay whatever the market, like the it new is, number they is. Are making. A hundred and they this company's being sold for a hundred and I think eighty, a hundred eighty or hundred seventy billion. Right. And each of the Roy children are making a piece, ten billion off this sale. Um, that's free money for doing no work. Like I'm right? just gonna take the billion and run. I don't care about the company. The company ain't that important. And it's so bad because they have this black hole in the background getting bigger and bigger with this uh, political candidate that their dad was backing who they're just like, yo, uh, this stuff's gaining traction and it's bad. Like all this shit coming about this dude, Jared Mankin, uh, we should we should really handle it. And they're just like, eh, we'll get to it eventually. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. I would, I would, yo, if I was them, I'd be like, okay, let's get our money. And when that Jared Mankin stuff explodes, that's all our dad's fault. Right. It's because, you know what? You've sold ATN anyway, right? So you don't and have to deal with any of that shit. It really is his fault. It really is Logan's fault. Like, look. Oh, man. I hope Ro- Shiv gets her money and gets out of there. Like, leave Tom. Leave her brothers. At this point, like, yo, Shiv, 
Shiv just needs her money and then just needs to skate off into the wind. Oh, Jesus Christ. And like, yo, like, I get it. Like, uh, what's what's Alexander Skarsgård's character's name? Uh, Lucas or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's done he's done scumbaggish shit and he's he's done scumbaggish things, but like who cares? You're bleeding him. You're bleeding him of one hundred and eighty billion dollars. You won. And when any, the original it, price was like one, it was like one twenty or one hundred. Right. It was it was something much significantly lower. Just fucking be rich and happy. Yeah, yeah, yo, and uh, yo, listen, Kendall won. Kendall won this episode, man. Kendall won. Like, like, but you you could see like in the beginning. Uh, of the presentation, like, oh, he's gonna kindle the shit out of this. He's gonna, oh, he's gonna fuck it up. He's gonna be so awkward. But uh, he did, he did pull it out. But, but, like, he's gonna find a new way to fuck it up, right? I think it's be- Roman, honestly, because Roman's been making some. He has good, like I said before, he has good business savvy, but he lets his ash holishness get the best of him. Like I understand, he needed to make it clear, like. For the time that I'm here, I'm in charge and you can't talk to me like that. But firing a studio head, like firing Jerry, I was like, yeah, sure. Fuck her. Honestly, fuck her. But you're really going to fire a studio head? Awesome stuff that she implied. Like, I understand she was being disrespectful, but yo, yo. They all just need to go to fucking therapy. That's all they need. They need to deal with this grief because like in in the in the timeline of the show he's only been dead what a week maybe i think less like four 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 days yeah they need to they need to take time to process with this shit because they are making dumb moves and this whole entire thing with this living plus is gonna collapse because the numbers are juked (laughs) i i would just get my money and dip to be honest with you like i don't I would say you could put that on your resume. I was CEO of Waystar Royco, even if it was for like a month or two, you were still CEO. But here's the thing: with ten billion dollars, you you never have to do anything. That's true. Ever again. That's true. That's true. You know what? With one billion dollars, you wouldn't have to do anything. Shit. With two hundred million dollars, you wouldn't have to do anything. Like I could, I could live off. I could live off of. $20 million for the rest of my life. Man, who you telling? Like, so just be fucking rich. <laughs> just be fuck. Now they're pissing me off. Yo, because if it was me and Logan was my dad, I'd straight up tell Lucas, I'd be like, yo, listen, it's your company, but I hope you burn this shit to the ground. Because fuck them. Right? Like, for someone that they hated so much they're, they're all they're suddenly, all gonna end up yeah they're all just suddenly like invested in his legacy all of a sudden right they're invested in his legacy but they're all just going to end up just like him yeah oh i mean that that was clear from the, the episode right after logan died i was just like the way kendalling kendall was like using that leverage of that note that right. said, Kendall CEO. I was just like, oh, dude, I saw it in the way he was maneuvering. I'm like, bro, you're becoming just like your dad. Right, right. And it's like, oh, don't. I was like, don't do that, dog. Just be the interim CEO with your brother. Keep your and they should 
always be keeping Shiv in the loop um, in the loop because Shiv is the smartest person and is the most busy. Biz- she she has the most business acumen and business savvy out of all of them. And like uh, here, here here's the thing. Yeah. I think this show is going to end with them losing everything because they keep on fucking around. That's true. That's true. And like, yo, look, that shit that they pulled at the beginning of the episode where they're like, uh, we don't know. Uh, he might tank the company. And they're just like, yeah, we don't care because by that time we all we, we're all paid. We're all right. paid. Ten billion dollars. Get your fucking money and get out, bro. Just get your fucking bread. Just get your fucking bread. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, have, I have no idea where this fucking show is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Tom, too. Like, but like, I feel bad for Tom. Right. Because he really does love Shiv. Right. And every time there like, she has a chance, she shits all over him. Right. And that's before he betrayed her to her father. But it's right? just funny, though, watching him squirm now where he's going up to Kendall. He's just like, you know, I could be a service going up to Roman. I could be a service. And then Greg's seeing that shit. And he's just like, oh, I don't have to put up with this motherfucker anymore. And now he's yeah. working directly with Kendall, uh, Shiv and Roman. I'm just like, oh, well, I mean, but Tommy, also, shit. But also fuck Greg, this goofy ass motherfucker. <laughs> uh, yeah. such, such a good show. Yo, if I was Greg, I would somehow find my way and finagle a billion dollars and then get get out of there. You would never see me again. I'd be like, yo, get me a private jet somewhere far away from here, and I'm going to wait till this all blows over, and I, I'll come back. I was like, I'll just come back to sign my check. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Shit. All right. Um, And then with that, I guess we'll talk the Mandalorian in... Uh, yeah, I was right. right. It was it was a mistake bringing back Moff Gideon. Yeah. Um I don't know why we had this season. I don't either. You know. Um well I understand why they made the season, but like it, it narratively it, it moves very little. Right? right. Uh there's no progression of uh, of uh of Mando and, and Gorgu. Or, or, or Grogu, like there's there's no closure there. It seems like it's just set up. Everything here was set up is setting up the fourth season. It it felt real Marvel. I I we said I said this to you off this show, and I'll say it again right now. I did not like the dot connecting, like the the beginning of episode seven. Where they had the council of the em- of the remnants of the empire, like Hux's dad's there, so they're tying it into the sequels. Uh, you find out that uh, Moff Gideon is cloning himself, so there's tying into the prequels to make it more palatable that Palpatine cloned himself for the sequel trilogy. And I'm just like, all this dot connecting is fucking bullshit right now. Right, like admit that you made bad movies. Yeah, right? yeah. And don't try to like uh, convince us with these TV shows that the bullshit that you put out before works because it doesn't. And you know what made the Mandalorian good was that it was its own thing. Right. As soon as they introduced Luke Skywalker into this fucking show, 
it went downhill. Right? And I, and I said it. Like, that was the worst part of was, – was a season two finale or season yeah. one finale? It was it the went, season – I think it was se- it was season two. Yeah. Like when Luke Luke's, came in and took Grogu. Right. And it was like, oh, fuck. Can we get, can we get away – from that original trilogy. No, you're right? absolutely right, dude. Like I love, I love the original trilogy. It'll, it'll always have a place in my heart. Uh, it, it, it made me want to be a filmmaker. Made you know uh, my love for film, everything. But I'm done with it. Right? right, right. Like let that live. Yes. Right. Not everything has to connect to that. And and I, I said we said this off mic, and I'm going to say it again. The one thing that really gets me is that now, in addition to this, we uh, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, which is coming out this summer, uh, Skeleton Crew, and I think one other show. I think it's Acolyte. Right. Now all these are going to fucking conclude in a movie by Dave Filoni, and I'm like, all right, so now I got to watch five different shows to get closure for the one show that I'm actually invested in. It's look, I get what they're doing and why they're doing it, but they should stop. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Fucking Andor proves that you can make something different and interesting in the Star Wars universe without tying into the star the the Skywalker legacy. Right. Right. Right? Like right. not once in Rogue One or in uh Andor do they mention uh they, they don't try to connect the dots. Well yeah, except for, except for Rogue except for Rogue One. But, but like at that's, least Rogue One they do it in a cool way. Like that's Probably the best sequence with Vader ever put on film was in right. Rogue One. You know, it's just like I'm. So, and don't get me started on fucking Obi Wan. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about Obi Wan. I did too. Yeah, like. And he's gonna pop up. He, him, and Anakin are gonna pop up in Ahsoka. Because don't. Because for if you, for those of you who remember, uh, Ahsoka's master was Anakin. Like. We have so many options, storytelling-wise, for this universe, right? You can create new fucking characters on the Outer Rim. You know, like, you can... Ah, it's it's it's, it's frustrating. It's yeah, fucking man. frustrating. Um, I'll be real with you, though. I don't... I didn't understand why... Uh, Moff Gideon was so obsessed with Mandalorian technology and shit like that. I was just like, when we got there and that was the reveal was that he took over Mandalore and has been using it as his secret base for his little empire activities. I was like, this is a waste of good storytelling that could have been used to further explore Mandalorian lore instead of doing this dumb shit. Right. Um, Because that's what I thought this season was going to be about, was exploring the lore and the history and culture of Mandalore, and it was not that at all. Honestly, I thought it was going to transition to be 
uh, what's the what's Katie Shackoff's character's name? Bo-Katan. Bo, yeah, I thought it was going to transition, and she was going to be the Mandalorian, like the title of the Mandalorian, right. and it was her quest to unite all of the 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 fractured Mandalorians across the universe. Right. I thought this was all like halfway through season three. I was like, all right, so she's now it's going to be the move. The show's going to be about her quest going into season four, bringing everybody together. You know, we were kind of back where we ended at the first season with Grogu and uh, Jin Jaren just going through the galaxy. That's where we ended up back at the end of season four. Is like it's going to be them on quest, and I'm just like, we should not have sat through two seasons to get back here, back to square one, right? So it's just fucking, it's dumb and disappointing. I hope season four is it because they've said that Mandalorian season two, that's ratings have been significantly lower than the first two seasons. And it's just like, well, man, when you keep shoving out shit. Right. When you keep on like, like keep on going back to most Eisley to go, you know, to, to the mechanic and shit like that. You keep on putting in all these guest stars like in these one-off episodes that really have, don't move the needle. And you can't, you can't, you cannot follow up Andor with this. I'm sorry. Right. Right. Like I get, I get Andor is a totally different show. I get that. Right. But Mandalorian season one was fucking fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I, man, you know, Mandalorian season two, eh, halfway through it started to nosedive, but still. All right, but this last season is this season three is like ah uh, why why am I here? Oh yeah, like yeah, why am I, I here? Let me yeah. just go watch. Let me go watch season one again. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, this season felt like a waste of time. The only thing that we did was get everybody united and back on Mandalore, and I was like, fine, that's cool, but everything to get from there to there was a waste of time, especially right. with our lead character, not even in the mix with that shit. Yeah. So it's like, uh, and then right, we still got to deal, deal with the uh, mythosaur. Right. Like you still got to deal with that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's our wrap up of fucking Mandalorian season three. Fuck you. Ahsoka in August. Yay. All right. So, Jeff, what have you watched lately? What are you watching? So, I haven't really been watching too many movies lately um, over the last week or two. It's mostly been TV. Um, So, we'll start with uh, the final season of Barry. Um, Oh, yeah. I forgot to talk about that. Uh, Yeah. Nope. Uh, It's been wild. It's been very wild and unexpected. to say the least, uh, it, it it's reminding you why it's one of the best shows uh, on TV. Um, everybody's an asshole, right? Um, yeah, because you now I understand. I hated Sally, but I understand where Sally's coming from now that I've met her parents. Right, right, one hundred percent. And out of this whole entire show, Noho Hank has the best arc. 
right? Character arc. And he doesn't become the best person, but like he really has come, you know, gone from like being comic relief to being a full on villain. Right? Did you see this last? You see last night's episode? Yeah, yeah, with the time jump and everything. Yeah, and I was like, oh, jo- I thought that was a dream, but uh, I, so, that's so actual. Until it wasn't until I read uh, interviews with the creative cast, they were just like, "No, that's an actual. It's a time jump. So that's all for real." Oh shit! Yeah. All right. So they, the, the show's wild. The show is fucking wild. So now I really have no idea how it's going to end. Um, but yeah, Barry, Barry, uh, season, season four is 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 already out the gate. Four episodes, just killing it. Fuchs finally got his. He finally got what he deserved. Right? And like I feel like I feel bad for Fuchs because like I don't. He, he can't let, let he can't let Barry go. I, I don't right? he got he got beaten to a pulp and now he's by himself in prison and everybody in prison just looking at him like, look at this motherfucker. We can't even like people are looking at him like, yo, we can't even fuck with him because he he's just so pathetic. Right, right. But like he didn't snitch. He did not snitch. Uh, moving on from Barry, uh, I started on Friday Citadel on Amazon Prime. Eh, it's okay. Like the trailer, the concept seemed like it was going to be, you know, some real next level shit. the The first episode was blah. Second episode got better. Um. It's fun enough. You know, it's fun enough espionage thriller type thing. But honestly, besides the whole entire main concept of spies having their memories wiped, it seems very just basic. Uh, basic, like standard issue. You've seen this a million times before. Now, we're only two episodes in. So, you know, I'll... I'll I'll go through it. I'll keep pumping through it. But these first two episodes, I'm not all that impressed. All right. Moving on from that. uh, On uh, Netflix, there's a show called Florida Man. About uh, an ex-cop who is, is sent to Florida to retrieve the girlfriend of his mobster boss. I see what they want to do with this show, right? It's it's trying to be fun and quirky. Um, it just seems like it's trying too hard, right? Um, the jokes don't, don't hit. The, the acting is mid at best. Um, yeah, I, I would rather just go back and watch Sneaky Pete, right? Because it's that same sort of caper-ish vibe but it does it just feels like it's done by committee it doesn't seem like anyone actually enjoyed making this show so that's florida man take that as you will uh on hbo max there's this anim- new animated show called fired on mars yeah it's that about, shows weird i it is very weird and i kind of fuck with it it was rough watching the first two episodes just to watch this dude get trashed on but now these the, the last, last week's 
other two episodes, you're seeing him start to actually get some agency in right. his story. Because I'm, I'm going to get into it in my portion of what have you watched lately, but I don't like watching shows or movies where there's a meek or timid person and they're the protagonist and they are a passenger in their own story with no agency. Right, right. Because that's yeah. not good storytelling to me. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Fired on Mars, it's, it's, it reminds me, it, it has a real Mike Judd feel to it. You know, like when he was doing those sh- uh, office space shorts on uh, MTV uh, with uh, Milton, it feels like that. It's like the mundanity uh, of corporate life on Mars. Um, and it just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. I, I, I'm in it, you know. Like I've, I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. Uh, moving on from that, we will go to. Uh, I watched the John John Mulaney's new comedy special, Baby J. Um, I'm a big fan of John Mulaney. Uh, you know, from his days on SNL. Uh, his his stuff on uh, uh, his, his stuff with Seth Meyers and all that stuff like that. Um, this entire show is about his cocaine addiction and him going to rehab. It's it's hilarious, but it's also kind of it's it's honest and heartfelt. You know, it sort of reminded me of a more comedy version of Rathaniel, you know, very just opening the books on your soul and like kind of just letting everyone know about the experiences that you're going through. Um, So, yeah, uh, I highly suggest that anyone uh, who has Netflix go watch uh, Baby J. All right, moving on from that, we're going to go into movies. Uh, Hulu, you know, suggested that I rewatch uh, Tony Scott's The Fan with Robert De Niro and uh, Wesley Snipes. And I had always remembered not liking this movie, right? Uh, but I haven't seen it in years. I rewatched it. And I'm going to say it's not one of uh, Tony Scott's best films, but there's still a lot of character and fun in there. And I love it when Robert De Niro plays a scumbag. Right? He plays a scumbag so well um, in This Boy's Life. Uh, and it, there's, there's shades of that here, uh, of how he's just like this disconnected, awkward man uh, just sort of terrorizing Wesley Snipes. And it's got all the hallmarks of a Tony Scott uh, film. You know, the the extreme close-ups, the quick cuts, the, you know, the the racing through the streets and shit like that. Uh, yeah, I it's, it's one of those movies that uh, on, you know, you have to get some distance from it to actually appreciate what was actually there. All right. Uh, moving on from that, I'm going to end with I saw Evil Dead Rises. 
and I wish I hadn't. Uh, I mean, is it better than uh, Fede's? Yeah, it's, it's better so than then, Fede's. So, Wait, then, so then it ain't even half bad. Right, it's, but that's not saying much. Uh, everyone knows who's listening to the show, I'm a big Evil Dead fan. Um, this doesn't have any of the humor from those other from from the the original trilogy which is fine but it, this movie takes itself so fucking seriously you know but it's the most uh co- kind of comedic setup for it right so they find like there's a an apartment building that was uh, that it used to be an old bank there's an earthquake uh, the the garage falls apart, falls you know, falls down, and there's a secret vault down there with the Necronomicon and some old recordings from a priest who you know yada 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 yada, and it's just like, is this the setup? Is this how we're is this how we're doing this? Like it's just there. It's just, just like they just oh just stumble. I mean, it was it was just there in the cabin, man. Yeah, but it's it just felt like it. It felt like it should have been there in the cabin. You know what I'm saying? Like you take this, like in the recordings, guy took it out to the woods to study it. X Y Z. Here, it's just buried in a bank vault with crosses all around it. Uh, The acting is horrible in this. Uh, not one character is believable or likable. The gore effects are fantastic. Uh, it's, it's not scary at all. You know, it's just look. It it is what it is. Horror fans are going to love it uh, because there's there's this low bar of entry for them. But uh, yeah, so Evil Dead Rises. It's a movie. All right. And that's uh I'm gonna keep it short and sweet today. So there you go. That's what I got. What All right. I'm gonna start with TV, uh Law and Order, they're both back, both really good, both one off episodes. It's nice to watch uh organized crime do a episode of the week instead of a arc episode and still have it be deeply personal to all the characters. I thought that was cool. Uh, with a twist at the end that I ain't see coming. And uh, with that, I want to get into uh, the final season of Wu-Tang and American Saga. Uh, bro, they they all owe RZA an apology. Like, <laughs> like these, these motherfuckers, they, look, once the first album came out, they did not care. Right. It, it's it's just that simple. Like, you know, him making beats for everybody. Uh, Inspector Deck was there willing to put in the work. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was just like, yo, if he's there, get his album out. Right, right, right. Uh, none of them had business savvy and everybody and their cousin and RZA is trying to help them on the business moves. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. We don't. They're like, Rizzo, why you handling all the money, bro? I don't I don't like that. He's like, yo, we all getting paid the same. All y'all could count that. And uh Raekwon was just like, I don't like that. Uh I don't like that Capadonna's in the group now. Is it is it seven or is it eight members now, Rizza? Why is he getting paid 
the same as the rest of us when he got one verse on one song. And then Meth goes, yo, you need to shut up with that because I, I my album is platinum. I'm the biggest person here. And if we're going to do that, then you know what? I could be getting paid more than all y'all. He's just like, whoa. And Raycon's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, yeah, that's what I thought. There's a definition of that should never give those niggas money. Yo, exactly. The la- <laughs> So for those of you who are fans of... Uh, Wu Tang, you know that they toured with my other, my favorite musical group, Rage Against the Machine, in '97. It was a legendary tour because it burnt out uh, after like ten or twelve dates, and the rest of the dates were filled in with the Roots. This show shows you exactly why it burnt out. Fucking, they went on late because he, they were waiting on them to show up. Some days it was just RZA. Method Man, uh, Inspector Deck, and You God, and everybody else was nowhere to be found. Like, I understand Ghostface was dealing with his diabetes and shit, but, like, just for him to be like, I don't feel like it, or for... And the fact that, like, ODB, like, there comes a point where you just gotta drop your crazy cousin and just be like, you're on your own. (laughs) Like, ODB was on wasn't there to perform but was on the tour because he was with roadies who was going from show to show oh man so it got so bad that they got kicked off the tour like the promotional manager was like yo we paid for wu-tang clan we didn't pay for three members of the wu-tang clan or four we paid for all of them so on the last night that they were supposed to perform rizzo is like yo listen all of you are finally here now, and it's too late. He's like, I've done nothing but put y'all niggas on, get money in your hand, make y'all famous. I'm tired of y'all. I'm done. This is it. Because even Raekwon was bitching, even though that was their biggest tour at the moment, at the time, that was their biggest tour ever. And Raekwon was like, I don't want to perform for these fans. These are rock niggas. I don't, I, we ain't rock niggas. Uh, uh. yeah 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 and i was just like oh word and and then and then they had to go uh it shows them they went out and they performed on their last night of the tour because they all felt bad because you know rizzo was the one looking out for him because he even said he's like all y'all would be dead or in jail if it wasn't for me and i'm like yo he got a point and they still do this shit to this day, specifically Raekwon and Ghost. Like, Wu-Tang breaks up because of them, because they're just like, yo, RZA's not paying us. RZA's not paying us. And then RZA and his lawyers got to always be like, yo, you're an equal part of Wu-Tang. It's in the contract. We all right. getting paid the same amount of money. My bread and your bread's the same. I might have a little more because I'm doing movies or I'm scoring or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. And Raekwon's only put out one good album. I didn't even know he had multiple albums. Yeah. Like, even Only Built for Cuban Links 2, it's good, but right. it ain't only built for Cuban Links 1. Like, that's the only right. good album he's ever fucking dropped. So for him to be coming through, and Rizzo was experimenting on the it shows them making the second album, and everybody's like, we don't like this bullshit. You gotta have an orchestra in here. Where are the beats? It's like, oh. 
It's our people, man. It's our people. I like the allegorical episodes of the seasons. There's three of them. One okay. was a black exploitation film, which chronicled uh, through like a black exploitation movie of ODB's album. Uh, the other one was a gangster movie starring Ray and Ghostface, chronicling the making of uh, Only Built for Cuban Links. And then the last one, it was uh, an allegorical. Uh, post-apocalyptic like uh little kung fu sci-fi western with jizza chronicling the making of liquid swords okay so those were cool but like yeah look if y'all want to know like i remember going to a roots show where roots for the first time in their life headlined uh radio city music hall and i remember going they played two nights and me and my friends, we went the first night, hip hop night, because we're they promised mad special guests. It's going to be crazy. It's going to blow your mind. Everybody who was supposed to be there came out except for three people. Dave Chappelle was late. Didn't come out till the very end. And Black Thought and Quest were so pissed off. They grabbed him. They, you see them both grab him by the neck and take him off stage. Oh word! Oh, and shit. the uh, only there's a whole there was a whole thirty minute gap where the roots were just freestyling and improvising because at that point in time, Riza, uh, Ghostface, and uh, and Raekwon were supposed to come out and do some joints off of only built for Cuban Links and Iron Man, and them niggas didn't show up, so they pulled this shit still to this day. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. I'm just like, yo, it don't take nothing for you guys to just show up, perform for an hour, get your money and dip. Like, yo, I see why Riz is like, yeah, I, I, look, Wu-Tang, we'll do Wu-Tang if everybody's there. But if not, then like I'm going to go make my money somewhere else. And the Black Keys, when they made that Black Rock album, they said, yeah, we liked working with a lot of people except for uh, like our most positive experience was working with RZA because RZA is a real musician. But like right. and most deaf, they liked working with and the singer Nicole Ray, they like working with. But they're like, yeah, working with Raekwon was a nightmare. Working with M.O.P. was a nightmare. I'm like, yeah, because these these Staten Island and Brooklyn niggas like <laughs> they different. <laughs> and you know what, man? Look. I've noticed if you notice the rap game and notice who has longevity and who doesn't, it's the people who constantly grind. Like Jay Z still out here grinding. Nas is still out here grinding. Like half the battle is showing up. Yes. Yes. Half the battle showing up. Yeah. And honestly, I've seen them perform together and I've seen them perform separately. And Ghostface is better either with the entire Wu-Tang Clan or separately, not with Ghost, with Raekwon. Because when he's with Raekwon, he's on Raekwon's bullshit. Because right. I've seen him perform separately, and he shows up on time, he gives a great performance, and then he leaves. So they still pull this shit to this day. RZA ain't paying us, bro. We ain't making this album because RZA ain't paying us. Even though he's proved time and time again, he's looked out for everybody's best interests. Right, right. There's a reason why Method Man is uh, who he is, man. He listened to RZA, and now he's a multimillionaire. All right, so I got to I got to get into this 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 third season. It's the final season, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many episodes? Uh, ten. All right. 
moving on from that, uh, I watched the first episode of Love and Death, and it's pretty good. Pretty good so far. Okay. It's nice to see Elizabeth Olsen in other things. That's not Marvel. <laughs> and she's been saying that publicly, too. She's like, yeah, I'm so glad to be on a break from this Marvel shit. I mean, on a break? Isn't she dead? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> We'll see. If yeah. she says she's on break, that means she's coming back. Yeah. I mean, they did her... Look, they haven't done justice to that character whatsoever. So, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what yeah, happens. It's nice to see her with actual, with actual material. Like she, she is an actress. Like she does put in great performances. It's hard watch. It's based on a true story. Uh, and so far in this first episode, I'm like, if I was Jesse Plemons, man, I'd be, I'd be all up in there. <laughs> if Elizabeth Olsen's sitting in that looking at me like, yo, listen, I want to fuck you. And just look at me in the eyes, salivating at the lips. I'm just going to be like, all right, then. Oh, I ain't gonna, uh-huh. I'm not going to be sitting there being like, because ah. they show you his home life and he's trying to be a good husband and father. Right. And his wife is, just, yo, she's crazy. I told you, I told you not to take our daughter to see this. I need you to have sex with me right now because we have to have another kid. And he's just like, can I go to sleep? Like, I'm tired. He's like, I'm going to be ovulating in two hours. We need to have sex right now. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah. So, yeah. If Elizabeth Olsen came up to me, he's like, yo, so, like, what's good? I'd be like, yeah, fuck this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's good, ma? (laughs) So, uh with that, I want to move on to a bunch of reviews. Usually I'd save all these movies for the main review, but who knows when we're going to get to our next episode. So let's get through all these movies. So let's start with, I got a screener link for Einsman. I think that's how you say it. Einsman. Uh, it's a psychological horror movie, like a folk horror movie it takes place in Ireland. It stands for Rock Island. And it's basically like, a lesser version of the lighthouse where this woman is reliving her past trauma and you're, it's you find out by the end, but it's throughout the movie. It's left up to you if she's really experiencing this or if she's hallucinating this. Okay. Uh, I went to a press screening for Chevalier. Chevalier is based on a true story about a black violinist who was lost in time. It was lost in time. He was born from a white slaver, dude who owned the plantation in France and a Haitian mother. And because that was his kid, he was just like, yo, listen, you, you're you not an equal, but you, you're higher than a slave. So you're still a Frenchman. And he's just like, yo, listen, these kids are going to fuck with you because you're black. You're going to get beat up because you're black. But you got to just show him that you're the best because you're a, and at the end of the day, you're a Frenchman. So he takes that to heart and he becomes like a master fencer and he's known as a master concerto. And he got lost through history because France wanted him out the paint. And this movie, because this takes place during Marie Antoinette's reign. And this, again, shows you like, yo, don't trust white women. Number one. <laughs> and number two. They love you till they don't. That's that's God honest fucking truth right there. Yes, yes. I I want y'all to understand this. Listening, 
They love you till they don't. So Chevalier, I highly recommend seeing it if it's still in theaters. If it's not in theaters, it should be on VOD soon. Um, I saw this anime movie. It's beautifully animated, a beautiful story called Suzume. Suzume is about this teenage girl who comes across this handsome young man and she follows him to this abandoned site where some strange things are happening and it leads her on a quest across Japan to not only save this young man, but save the, uh, save the world in general. And it's, it's a beautiful movie. I was like, damn, I, I was expecting to see some, some bullshit. I was just like, it was a popular anime playing right around the corner. I was like, yeah, why not? And I sat there and I was just like, I was blown away. I was like, I was not expecting this shit to be this good. Distributed by Toho and Funimation because Funimation got their fingers and everything. But shout out to Toho. I should have known, like, once that Toho logo popped up on screen, I was like, oh, so this is a real movie. Right, right. Toho don't put out no bullshit. Uh, I saw Renfield. Uh, it's all right. Oh, yeah. It's an hour and a half. And, like, this seems like it was made by, like, it's just bland. Like, you could tell this is, like, a bland Dude, it feels like the studio made this than an actual director. And despite yeah, that, like Nicholas Holt, so given a good performance, the opening action scene with him breakdancing, dodging the fucking knives and shit was cool. And Nicholas Cage is actually like really great as Dracula, but it's just everything else where I'm just like, eh. Like even Aquafina, I'm like, yo, she shouldn't have been in this movie because I'm I'm confused. I'm like are they supposed to have romantic interest or are they just there to help each other out? Like it's the movie never makes that clear. That's the same problem I had with Aquafina in, uh, the fucking uh, Shang-Chi. It's like, are they friends or are they trying to fuck? Like, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Like they, they're afraid of making Aquafina a romantic interest for a lead character. And I'm just like, it's not like you're casting someone who's unattractive. Like Aquafina's not ugly, right? And like it's, uh, and if if they didn't want to go that way, making her love interest and like their buddies and stuff like that, stop blurring the lines. Yes, yeah, right. Make it yeah. definitive. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, th- this will this will be on Peacock within a few weeks. I guarantee you, by the end of oh, May, yeah. it'll be up on Peacock because yeah. this movie bricked hard. And it costs too much money. Like watching this movie, I thought like, oh, 20, 30 million. This was this was not that bad. It was sixty eight million dollars. I was like, get the Ooh. fuck out of here. Where'd that money go? Sixty eight million on this. OK. All right. All right. All right. Y'all fucked around. And y'all found out. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a press screening of Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. And they're handing out wine plastic wine cups so shout out to lionsgate thank you uh that was awesome this is a good movie look i've never read the book the book has been a staple since the the 70s like women of every different races types classes all relate to this book and watching this movie i was like i get it i absolutely get it if i had a daughter i would make her watch this movie uh I would also, if I was a single dad and I had a daughter, I'd make sure uh, 
I have a female friend around because there's stuff in this movie where as a dad, I'm like, I'm not equipped to handle this. I'm going to take you to somebody I trust and she's going to help you with this shit. But it's a good movie. It really is a good movie. Uh, too bad it flopped. Yeah, well. You know, everybody's seen, everybody's still seeing Super Mario. They don't give a fuck about, you know, which is a shame because if you're, if you're a girl, like from the age of 10 or older, you, you should probably see this movie. And they did, they, there's been no real marketing push on this movie, honestly. It's a shame, man. Like, this is by Kelly Freeman Craig, and she did uh, The Edge of 17, which I thought was okay, but everybody lost their minds over. I was like, that's all right. right. This is much, this is a much better movie, like, just across the board. I mean, it, it, it'll, it'll find its legs on streaming. And, then, you know, and this is what I hate, because now it's going to hit stream and everybody's going to be like, why didn't anybody see this? How could you let this flop? And I'm just like, yo, look, that's on you. I, I'm right. sitting here telling you, like, yo, it's good. Like, I hate when that shit happens. Uh, saw Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Uh, pretty good movie. Pretty good. It's not as good as Operation Fortune, you know, but, you know. The ending made me mad because there's a title card at the end where it said, like, one week after uh, the U.S. Le- left the Middle East, the Taliban fully regained control and is more powerful than it's ever been. I'm just like, this is what I hate, man. And this movie proves why, like, the mil- like the, mo- the movie even proves why the American military ain't shit. Because we promised these people, like, yo, if you help us, we'll- you could come to America, have a better life because you helped us out. And we renege on that shit time and time again. And just leave them to the wolves. People with babies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, America's the king of gaslighting. I was like, oh, yeah. Don't, don't get it twisted, though. This is a Guy Ritchie movie through and through. Like, it, it is a Guy Ritchie movie. It just doesn't have the Guy Ritchie humor. Okay. I prefer right. Guy Ritchie in action and comedy mode. That's my Guy Ritchie. Right, right. Like not, Operation not, Fortune, Snatch, Lockstar. Not Wrath, not Wrath of Man, huh? Yeah, not Wrath. Like, Wrath of Man is actually better than The Covenant. Oh, okay. All right. So, with that, I got a screener link for a movie called The Lost King. It's about Sally Hawkins. I love me some Sally Hawkins. Uh, Sally Hawkins, she uh, m- figured out where King George has been buried. And so it's her trying to convince this the University of Cambridge to help support her in digging up these ruins. And you know, you know how that goes. Oh, she wasn't, she didn't find his remains. We did. Based on a true story. Okay. You know, because the Brits are pieces of shit. Uh got a screener link today for paint. With Owen Wilson. I yo, oh, I wanted wait, isn't that in theaters now? Yeah. All right. Uh yeah, I wanted to see that. Yeah, I got the screener link for it. Shout out to IFC. Uh the movie's boring as shit. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not funny. It's 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 there. And it's an hour and a half, and I was bored out of my mind. Oh, that's that's a sh- oh, that's disappointing. <sighs> Saw Polite Society. Uh how was that? pretty good pretty good this this flopped as well uh once again no one knew about it like they if you can't be surprised if your movies flop 
if you put out a trailer on YouTube and don't do any sort of marketing push for it? I mean, every movie I've went to see had this trailer before beforehand. So it, it look, if I hadn't seen the trailer, that whole thing with the mother-in-law, right. that would have came out of nowhere where I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? The, the action is dope, though. I'll give it that. The action's dope. The character is likable enough, even though I'm just like, girl, you need to calm down, even though she's proven right in the end, because the big reveal about why the mother-in-law wants her sister to marry her son is fucking wild. Like, you will not be able to guess why in a million years. Like, once they reveal that, I was just like, this came out of nowhere, and this is wild on so many levels. All right. So yeah, yeah, polite society. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy on Paramount, on not Paramount Plus, Disney Plus. Uh, pretty good, better than it has any right to be. Uh, it is a Disney Plus movie. Like David Lowry was out of his mind when he was saying it's his best movie. I'm like, calm down. This ain't even <laughs> at Peach Dragons level, but it is good. All right, it is good. Like it. This will not change your world, but it's something where you it's like an hour, 40 minutes. You're going to watch it and you're going to be like, oh, that was cool. You know, it's cool. It's crazy that a movie made for streaming, they let him shoot on film. That's absolutely crazy. Really? Yeah. How much was the budget on this thing? Man? I, it, was, it was expensive. The best part of the movie is at the beginning where Peter Pan's chasing his shadow. I was like, that's some inventive shit the way they shot it. All right, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch that this weekend, but yeah, I'll give it a look. Um, okay, and that's new movie. Uh, oh, well, let me finish with this one. I want to finish with this one before I get into some old stuff. Uh, a few weeks ago, I got to see Bo is Afraid on IMAX. It was shot in the one point eighty five aspect ratio, which is like seventy millimeter aspect ratio. So. If you go see it in IMAX, depending on what IMAX screen you go to, it takes up the whole screen or most of it. Um, yeah, there's stuff about this movie I like and there's stuff about it I hate. Like, it's not a bad movie, but I hesitate to say that it's good. Uh, isn't, it, isn't it like three hours long? Yes. And it's it's fucking way too long. There's like a whole section where I was like, this could have been shorter. Right. Uh, it Like I said earlier, my problem, with, my biggest problem is like, he's painted as like, even Ari Aster described him, he is a loser. And I'm just like, how is he a loser? This is just a dude who has super anxiety because of his mother. Like this dude lives in fear and anxiety. And his mom is overbearing and is just, you see by the end of the movie, like, yo, she, she, she created what she created. Like, right. Uh, some right. of this just doesn't make sense. And it's like, this is an absurdist comedy, but like some of it is absurd just for absurd sake. Like there's a reveal at the end where I was just like, what in the grand scheme of things, what does this even have to do? I, I don't understand what you're trying to do here. And the last 10 minutes, I had no idea what was the point of it, especially the way it ends. I was just like, what was the point of these last 10 minutes? But was it like you said, it was an absurdist comedy. Is it funny? 
the first hour I thought was funny. And the first hour to me is the best because the first hour really captures what it's like to have an extended anxiety attack. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. It, uh, like that, that sequence, that animated sequence where he's watching, uh, because in the movie he's watching a play and he imagines himself in the play and you see it in the trailer where he's walking through these vast landscapes that was the best part of the movie and the most inventive part of the movie. But like, yeah, man, I'm tired of watching like these passive, meek, timid characters be a passenger in their own movie. You know what I mean? Like no agency, no nothing. It's just all this bad shit is happening to them and everybody's blaming them for everything that's happening that's going on where I'm just like, oh, OK, like that's why I don't like a serious man by the Coens. Right. I hate that movie. And like here's 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 the thing. Um I am one of the few people who didn't really fuck with Midsummer. I fucking right? love Midsummer. Like Hereditary is the one where I'm just like, it's okay. Like Midsummer was like, I have I've I've you know, I've seen this before. It's you know, it's Wicker Man Plus. Um so seeing hit like when when this was announced and it was announced that it was, it was a uh, an absurdist comedy and stuff like that. It didn't really feel like he was going to be able to do this, right? Because nothing in his uh, CV suggests comedy, right? Right. Um, even like we have to talk about like uh, there's this thing about the Johnsons, his short film, right? That is one of the most disturbing films I've ever seen. Uh, and it was billed as a comedy, but wasn't funny at all. It was like it was funny because you were so uncomfortable. Yeah. So uh, Bo was missing. I you know I love Joaquin Phoenix, but yeah, yeah. It didn't this seem- is uh, he Ari Aster described this as a loser trying to get home to his mother, and I'm just like, it's hard for me to see him. I I don't see what makes him a loser. This is a dude with extreme anxiety. Like, if that's how you describe this, then, like, that's kind of, it's a failure. It's not like the dude is inherently, like, not trying to do anything with his life or shit like that. This is a dude with anxiety and clear, like, mental health issues. Um, He also described it as Jewish Lord of the Rings. And I'm just like, "Mm, I'm I'm not a Jew. Right. I, I, I don't know Jewish culture, but to say it's Lord of Rings. No, I think maybe he was being like, oh, it's a quest. <sighs> it's a dumbass quest, to be honest with you. Uh, look, a serious man. I respect a little more because I saw that movie twice. I went to go see it in theaters and I was like, what the fuck was that? And then I saw it again in school and in school. My professor said, for those of you who aren't Jewish, you won't understand it because this is a movie for Jews only. And he's like, okay. the abrupt ending is there for a reason. And I was just like, OK, sure. All right. Because, right. you know, right. the ending of a serious man, it just stops like that movie just stops after you watch this dude get put through the ringer and everybody treat him like he's a piece of shit. Um, yeah, I look. It probably would benefit from a, another watch. However, 
I'm not going to the theater to see this fucking shit again. Especially at three hours. Yeah, man. That's that's because there's whole sections where I could fast forward through in this movie. And there's stuff in here where I'm just like, in the grand scheme of things, this makes no sense. Right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and you're trying to tell me his first cut was four hours and he wanted to put out the four hour cut. Get the fuck out of here. Honestly, this movie could have been two hours and like 30 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes. I mean, he's a, he's a 24's golden boy. So, I mean, they yeah, this is he... the most expensive a 24 movie. It's budget is $35 million. It is not making its budget back. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, oof. It uh, went, it opened in limited and I saw it in limited release when it was IMAX only. Right? right. New York and L.A. Next week, it opened wide. And I was just like walking out of that movie. I was just like, y'all planning on putting this out in a wide release? Like this is one you might want to just art houses s- slowly let it roll out instead of just here you go. At least one because people were look was thinking Paramount was insane for putting Mother in a wide release. And I was just like, Mother's more accessible than this shit. Oh, all right. Well, those bold fucking words right there. Jesus. Yeah, Bo is afraid. Yeah, they, they are not making their money back, dog. Like $35 million. I guarantee I guarantee you will be lucky to gross 15. Oof. It, like, oh, like, let's do the let's do the math real quick, Jeff. I'm gonna Google this real quick. Uh while I Google this, I'm gonna say this. Uh A24, like, yo, listen, Ari Aster, I I get it. He's co-signed by Scorsese. He's co-signed by like his first two movies. Everybody lost their minds over, but like everyone needs a flop. I'll say this: I applaud. I applaud. This is I can't even blame Ari Aster for this because this is his movie and this is his vision. So I applaud him for getting this out mass across like a thousand screens across the nation. Like that, I gotta applaud. And I'm just like, yo, good for you. And the, there's a couple of big name critics who saw it the same time I did and swore up and down this was a career killer. I'm like, uh, I was like, uh, suck a dick, suck a dick. Look, you could. it's OK to say you didn't like it and it's not for you. But to straight up be like, this is a career killer. Suck a dick. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's those that's a strong statement. Fucking career killer. Uh, there have been motherfuckers who have. Uh, married their own daughters, and they still are making movies every day. You know, you know, on a yearly basis. So, eh, he's he made a bad one. Yeah. So, when it was in limited release, when I saw it, it made a fuck ton of money. Right? It was only playing on four screens. So the IMAX, you know that Lincoln Square theater, right? Right. Yeah. So the IMAX there, and then downstairs on a regular screen, they had it on. And then in okay. L.A., it was playing in two IMAXs in L.A. That opening weekend in limited release off of four screens, they made $320,000. Okay. That is 80000 per screen. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. When it went wide to 965 theaters the very next weekend, guess how much it made? Uh-uh. I don't know, like five, six million? 
It's third weekend. Third weekend. It went from 965 theaters, which was this past weekend, was its third right. weekend. 965 theaters to 2,125 theaters. Why they put it out in more theaters? Who the fuck knows? Not like once you hit a thousand screens for this movie, I, I'd say, yo, that's done. That's it. Right. That's enough. Uh, 2,125 theaters this past weekend. Guess how much it made? I, I mean, if it made two, <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, eight hundred thousand. Close, one point four million. Okay, so, so right, far right. this movie has made five five point eight. So we might as well say six million dollars. Round it up, six million dollars off a thirty five million dollar budget, and that doesn't exactly. include the marketing for this because A twenty four knows how to market a movie very well. All right, so this is this is this is a loser, but you know it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, look, it's better a thirty-five million dollar flop, a thirty-six million dollar flop, is easier to swallow than a two hundred million dollar flop. A twenty-four. They their budgeted movies are anywhere from like five to ten. Like I. They're an indie company for a reason. The fact that they're putting out, like, that's a studio-level budget. And for studio-level, that is a low-budget movie because that's nothing to a studio. But for them, that is a studio-level budget movie. That is wild. Look, they they live, they you you look. Everyone needs to spank it everyone once in a while. Yeah? Yeah. So some other movies I watched, uh, Easter Day I watched, Inland Empire. That's another three-hour surrealist, absurdist movie. And that was more easy to digest because I understood that this woman was having a nightmare. It was an actress having a nightmare. She lives in Hollywood, trying to make it in Hollywood. I understand what Lynch was trying to do, even though it made no sense. Right. I understand the intent there. Like, I understand the intent. What Bo is afraid is that he has mommy issues, like severe mommy issues. But, I mean, that's it. Um. I rewatched the first two Guardians, which we'll get into in the main review. I saw for the first time Frailty. Uh, the the uh, McConaughey. Yeah, with Bill Paxton directed. Yeah, that, that's I lo- wild. I love, I love that fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. That movie is wild. Uh, I took my brother and my mother to see Dungeons and Dragons again. That movie still fucking rules. I'm mad it's not making more money, but they also should have known better them putting it out between John Wick and Super Mario. Right. Uh, and the last thing I'm going to get into, which is over the weekend, they re-release uh, Return of the Jedi into theaters, and I went to go see it. Yeah. Market Fair had it on its biggest screen. It was It's a big auditorium, holds like 200 people. Uh, almost completely sold out. All right. Uh, you know, Jeff, this movie played on 400 screens and made five million dollars off of 400 screens. I mean, look, Star Wars, that, that fan base runs deep. You know, that's it's generational. Uh, as I was waiting to get into my second screening of Guardians at the theater, I saw people, my brother, he was like, yo, look at this person. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, look, and I finally saw it. There's a dude dressed as a Jedi walking into uh, the theater. I was like, damn, bro, really? It, look, look, fan, like, 
the fans will find any reason to dress up for shit. Yeah, like I can't deny them that. It's just not it's not me. Um I'll say this. Uh we really devalue Return of the Jedi. Like I didn't realize how tight that movie is and how fast it moves. Like we open on uh Han's rescue from Jabba and that's like the whole first 30 minutes and then the rest of the movie is them trying to destroy the Death Star and taking out Vader and the Emperor and it's pretty streamlined. I was like even the effects like you could clearly tell they're standing in front of matte paintings. And I'm like, all this looks so much better because you see it's, the intent and you see what they're trying. Like, it doesn't look like they're floating there. It looks like they are part of it, even though you can tell. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. the, the only- speeder bike chase. That shit's still fucking hard as shit. And there's no I forgot. There's no music. They're not entire speeder bike. chase. Yeah. Like it is visceral. Like I had my but- hands in the armrest like, oh, shit. And like, my, I don't hate Jedi as much as a, 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 a lot of people out there. My only problem with the Jedi is the Ewoks. Nah, man, I watching it again. I was like, yo, these Ewoks are fine. I Look, I get what he's trying to do here. The Ewoks are fine. It, they're like the Porgs. That's why I like Porgs, because I'm just like, they're just there. And the, at least the Ewoks tie into the narrative of the film. And, right. and if it wasn't for the Ewoks, they would have lost. Yeah, I just like it's like it's, it's it, it, honestly it's the Jub Jub song. It's nah, I like that shit. Yo, listen, you got you got to realize this is a multi generational thing for a reason. Like sitting next to me was a dad and his very young son, and like I, by young I mean like this kid was like four or five years old. Like I could pick him up and put him in my pocket. When they take uh, Han, Chewie, and uh, Luke to their little village in the trees when they're swinging from tree to tree to get to the village that little dude next to me he was just like whoa i was like (laughs) see yeah but like i jedi's jedi's good yeah you know like it's the original trilogy still outshines everything yes yes because watching this i was just like the characters are so well written everything's tight uh, the 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 narrative that it's doing with the characters and everything is just so well done. And like the only thing that pisses me off, like the, we all know the infamous additions in these movies. Like I don't have a problem with the CGI band in Jabba's palace. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's that's whatever. I was right. like, you know, it's whatever. Jabba. He needs to show that Jabba has this big because, you know, in the original, it's just some dude in a blue fat suit playing like the horn. And this one, right. it's a full musical sequence. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, man. You, you're doing a spectacle movie like you, niggas going to have a whole band in his palace. He's like a rich gangster. Like, I get that. Right. Uh, I don't mind that. I don't mind the addition of where we go from planet to planet where everybody's celebrating the death of the. The, the Death, Death Star, the, like, the Star, right. we go back to Naboo and we see the Gungans dancing on the building saying, we so free. I was like, oh, damn, this actually makes me like the Gungans a tad bit more. And then the only thing that pisses me off is uh, when Vader picks up Luke, they put in the no from the uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, dude. Oh. No. And... Oh. Uh, 
they added in Hayden Christensen for the Jedi ghost at the end. Because there's certain oh, things where you can make minor changes and it doesn't change the intent of the movie, right? Right. Those two changes, to me, change the intent of the movie. Right. Like, it, it, it's a disrespect to the actor who originally played the Force ghost, right? Yeah, because we get it. Because when Vader died, he's an old man. Like, right. if he didn't take off the mask and showed himself to Luke, then I'd be like, all right, yeah, he died when he was Hayden Christensen. But the fact that he takes off the mask and he's clearly older, right. and he looks at Luke as an old man, he should have been kept as old man Anakin. And then the no, the no kind of takes that impact out of Vader's choice. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like, because in the, in the original cut, it's just like him looking back and forth. Yes, right? and he picks him right? up and throws it's, him down, and that's all you right. need. That's all yeah. you need. The add in the no, that makes no sense. And if he's screaming no, then the emperor would turn around and fuck his ass up. Right, right. It changes <sighs> when you start fucking with shit like that. It changes the intent. That's all I'm saying. And. This is a, a larger conversation about going back and re-editing movies that would be considered problematic today. Right, because Spielberg still says that he regrets editing out the guns in E.T. Right. And it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's, 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 it's you can't retcon history. Right. Right? Like, because he went back and added the guns back in. Right. Here's the thing. Like, I... I get, you know, like when we during the summer when we were taking down all the Confederate statues and shit like that. I get that, right? But we can never forget that that shit was there, right? right. We we can't pave over it, right? Because this is how this is how you get new Nazis. You know, this is how you get new the new Confederate states. That shit has to get taken down because those were symbols of hate, right? Because right. like you look, if if they had Chewbacca doing the Nazi salute. You know what I'm saying? And giving the middle finger in the middle of the movie, then I'd be like, yeah, man, because like, you know, it just doesn't work. But like you you're changing things that don't need to be changed and you're just doing it because you can. That's what it is. Right. right. But like a, a movie like that came out 50 years ago. Right. Right. Mad problematic. By today's standards, so Birth right? of the Nation. I wouldn't say go and re-edit Birth of a Nation. I would say keep that as a lesson because there's lessons to be learned from birth of a nation. Right. But we can't bury it. Right. You know, that's the thing. Right. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be celebrated, but you can't bury it. And that's, that's like what that, I'm afraid. Yeah. Cause is going like, to I'm going to be real with you. Triumph of the will. That is a movie that nobody should watch, but there's stuff in triumph of the will where I'm like, well, that's good filmmaking. And Look, I understand Germans why <laughs> people signed up to be a Nazi after watching this movie. Right? It's just like you can't forget. Uh, you, you can't try to hide the past. And so that's what I'm afraid is going to happen going forward is that we're going to start taking out things in movies that we find problematic now that weren't problematic back then. But then that takes away like a whole entire conversation piece. I right? say, I say just keep, we got to keep 
keep it what it is because because it opens up conversations of what not to do going forward. Right. Exactly. You can't if you take it out. Right. If we took out the guns in E.T., which we did, then we couldn't have you know, we, we you show the, the, the movie to a kid now. You can't have a conversation. Well, about I mean. The, the, the walkie talkie version of E.T., you can only get that if you have the DVD. And as far as I know, those DVDs only exist for people who actually bought those like that. Those Spielberg went back and destroyed every version of that walkie talkie. He's like, I should not have listened to George is what he said. Right. And so, like, I just don't want us to get into a habit of just like uh, destroying our because we find it offensive. Well, here's right? my thing. And this is what I, I think what this is, what it pertains to Lucas, like a filmmaker as a filmmaker, your movie's never done in your eyes, like never finished. But at a certain point, you got to let it go because now right. you're just changing shit just for the sake of changing shit. And it doesn't even match up with maybe the intent of the scene, the intent of the character or the story that's being told here. Like so much has been changed in that first Star Wars movie that the intent of stuff has changed. Right. Like when people make a big deal of Han shooting first, that's part of his character. Like we don't need Han to be a out and out good guy. That's his arc of the movie. Right. Especially watching Return of the Jedi. I was just like, oh, he's not that piece of shit he was in the first movie. He's now like fully formed good guy, especially like I love that interaction where they're like, okay, we're going to send a group on a mission to deactivate the shield on Endor. And Leia goes, oh, I wonder who they got to get that. And he's like, yeah, I wonder who. And then they're like, General Solo will lead the mission. And everybody looks at him like, what? I love that shit. Yeah. Come on, man. Like, there's, there comes a certain point where you're changing the story for that. And it just doesn't match. Yeah. So, but, you know, this is a, a larger academic conversation. But, yeah, let's let's. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I can see how those two changes in Jedi uh, is a domino effect. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. uh, Let's move on to trailer talk. Roll camera and action. It's time for some trailer talk. All right. What do we want to start with? Let's start with White Man Can't Jump. Um, Call Matic. Look, I don't know what happened with House Party, but this looks much better. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) I like it's. Uh, I really can't tell if Jack Harlow can act or not from this trailer because uh, it's it's, they, it's it's smartly edited, but this seems like a movie I actually want to see. Right. Unlike House Party. Right. And it's on Hulu. It's on. Yeah. There we go. So it's 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 a no risk venture for me to watch this. Uh, American Born Chinese is based off a very popular novel. And this trailer, I was just like, I'll give it an episode. I'll give it a few episodes because the trailer didn't really do anything for me. Um, I thought it was like, I thought it was going to be a really interesting drama before all the superhero shit started. I was like, oh, man, I thought it was going to be like, is Disney really is is Disney going to do a. Uh, a drama, some like an actual real movie is like nah, yeah, some superhero shit. Um, but it looks better than Shang Chi. Lo- uh, White Bird. Uh, I don't like that. Wonder is a franchise now, and this looks like the same saccharine bullshit that the first movie was. Like, yo, I 
If you're going to tell me a story, a sad story, tell me a sad story. But I hate being emotionally manipulated. Well, I mean, I like, but I, look, uh, there is a whole entire subset of people who love that shit. That's why Hallmark movies are, are a thing. So uh, I'm never going to see this. Uh, but I, I don't judge anyone who is like, oh, they made another Wonder movie. Uh, in the Wonderverse. I'm mad there's a Wonderverse, though. The last voyage of the Demeter. Uh, this shit looks hard as fuck. Uh, just when I thought we've run out of ways to do Dracula, we find an interesting angle. Well, isn't this a? Isn't this based on a? Not not Edgar Allan Poe. Is it? Or is, it, or is this a Lovecraft story? I, I have no idea. I don't. I don't yeah, know. I think I think I think I think it's a Lovecraft story. Uh, but uh, it's I'm surprised that we haven't done this before now uh it looks it looks good uh we'll, we'll see though we'll, we'll see it's uh it is a fucking uh what's it called a dreamworks movie it's nice to see a dream dreamworks movie that's not animated <laughs> uh this is based on the captain's log it's a chapter in dracula Okay. All right. So, yeah, so, so with that, uh, let's move on to uh, the Equalizer Three. Look, hey, all you had to do was say Equalizer Three. Denzel always... stood back to finish the trilogy with Look, Antoine Fuqua. This is, I think, this is going to be the only time he does. Uh, he plays uh, the uh, same character. Right. Uh, my favorite genre is Denzel Washington. On a revenge mission, uh, and the Equalizer movies. I saw Equalizer two uh, a couple of weeks ago. It it's they're not the best movies at all, but they're great escapist fucking dr- uh, action movies. I love it. Like this, this, this sold me. This. Uh, well, I get, I'm glad it gets to be a trilogy, and I, I hope it ties into the TV show. So that way it'll make me invested to watch the TV show. <laughs> Just say, hey, cousin, that's all you need. Hey, cousin, a phone call. All right. All right. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, all right. Uh, Insidious, the red door. Uh, I like the first two Insidiouses. I like the first one more than the second one. I thought the second one was a good ending. And then they made the two other movies that had nothing to do with nothing. And I was like, this should have been the third movie. So there, so this is the fifth movie then? Yeah. I only saw the first one. Uh, the first one was terrifying to right. me. And then they made uh, a direct sequel to that. James Wan, everybody came back. That's a direct sequel to that. Then the third movie is a prequel where the, the paranormal, you know, the two dudes and the old lady help some little girl. And then right. I, I'll be honest with you. I can't tell you shit about the fourth one and I don't care. Right. And like this one, it, it looks man. It looks cool to me. I wish this is what the movie should have been after the second one. If we were going to keep doing it, honestly, two should have been it. Like two wrapped up their story, but right the way they're doing it match. It, it makes sense. Like in this trailer, I was like, okay, that makes sense. So I'm right, interested I, in it. I, I got to go back and you know watch the at least number two. 
All right, well, let's get into our next Perot movie, A Haunting in Venice, and they've really switched gears. Like people, people who watch this trailer are going to expect a modern day horror movie, and when they right. go see this, it's going to be like, oh, it's a murder mystery with ghosts. They're going to be very disappointed, yeah, which is I hilarious. Mean, uh, Death on the Nile. You know, like I said, I didn't. It didn't click for me uh, until the, halfway through. Um, I'm not going to make that mistake with this one. Like I'm going to give it my full, uh, full attention. It looks good. It looks much moodier and darker than any of the other Perot movies. You know, it it feel it feels like a horror movie. This feels like false advertising. What it is? Oh yeah, this is a hundred percent false advertising. Yeah. I just hope that when uh, the press screening comes, I get a seventy millimeter press screening because I want to see this shit in seventy. <laughs> Because he shoots all these shits in seventy millimeter. I just, I just don't want any Dutch angles. Just like just, that's, I that's, know that's his, his bread thing. and butter. That's his thing, but I, it's like too many Dutch angles. Uh, next goal wins the movie Taika made before Thor: Love and Thunder. He made this movie like four years ago. It's finally coming out. Man, it looks good. It looks, you know, it's, uh, everybody needs a cool runnings. You know, like every culture needs a cool runnings movie. Cool so, to see Michael this, Fassbender again. Like he's been off the grid for a minute. Yeah, and like I don't think I've ever seen Fassbender in a comedy. Yeah, this is like his first comedy. Yeah, so like yeah, let's see what he does. Looks looks interesting. Looks good. Uh, na- uh wish, wish. Uh, this looks cheap. This looks cheap as fuck. It looks like a direct-to-video animated film. See, I felt the other way uh, uh, around. I like the animation, and I like the fact. That they made an entire movie around when you wish, you know, upon a star, like the Disney theme song. So I, like, I, I want to see where they go story wise with this. It could be interesting. That's a hard pass. Uh, Hunger Games: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I really like the book. Uh, watching this trailer, I was just like, this. Uh, it looks fine, but it doesn't look like what it could be i'm gonna be real with you like francis lawrence he he went hard on that second movie like that second movie is pretty fucking good and the third movie was those third and fourth movies they are what they are because the book sucked like the book fucking sucked so it was just the adaptation of the book that made those movies suck i don't know this just seems like it was made by like a run-of-the-mill director for hire i don't know i'll I'll give it a chance, but like it's coming out when there's so much other what? shit coming out. Yeah. Like the Marvels comes out the week before, Dune comes out the week before that, and it's just like, well, I mean, bad news for the Marvels because this fan base is huge. Yeah, like I, I was never all that invested in the Hunger Games. Like it was, they were fine, they were fine movies to me, but like. I was never going to run out and like, oh, the new Hunger Games is is hitting theaters. Uh, this looks like a prequel. Well, it, like that's what it looks like. It looks like a prequel. You know that's why fine. this book was written though, right? Why? Lionsgate con- contacted Suzanne Collins. It was like, yeah, we need to keep this franchise going. So, can you come up with a way to keep this money train rolling? And she's like, oh, uh, I got an idea for a prequel with with Snow. Okay. And 
props for her to actually not being creatively bankrupt about it. Like it, it's a good book, but it's just like that's how hard up uh, they are for franchises. Um, yo, you're sitting there laughing, but I mean, when a studio is literally calling up an author and is like, "Yo, we need, we need to keep pumping shit out of this IP." I mean, uh, I, don't know what I feel like Lionsgate's <laughs> on the brink of like bankrupt. Like, if it wasn't for John Wick, I feel like they'd be on the brink of bankruptcy. I mean, even with John Wick, they're on the brink of uh, bankruptcy. It's like Lionsgate seems like they're trying real hard right but behind the scenes it's like a, a a kitchen fire and they're just trying to just put out the fire with extinguishers and shit like that every day is just them closer to chaos uh it lives inside this is from neon and honestly I expected better. This looks okay. Like I for from indie studios, I expect your horror movies to be terrifying. Right. I like it's I'm glad to see that they're incorporating Indian lore into, you know, like uh horror movies. You know, or like but this looks basic as shit. Yeah, it looks like a it studio movie. Yeah. Uh Extraction 2. Look, um, I don't care how they bring him back. I love the first extraction. That was it was too good a movie to be on Netflix. It was all right. right. It was all right. The action was hot though, but it as, right. as, action, a, as a movie, it was okay. But right, the but the action, action was, was next level. Like he killed him. His name's Tyler Rake, and the first thing he does is kill a man with a rake in the first action sequence. Uh, but like this, the trailer for the second one, yo. Yo, they knew they knew they that they had a hit after the first one. Like they're like, right. oh, okay, well, Netflix could give us a blank check, and we could. Again, Dude. I don't understand why this is not going to theaters. Like they, Netflix is just that. The, the, like the first one needed to be played big. That whole entire chase from the building what, the into Warner? the cars. Yeah, the Warner. Yeah, the Warner? Yeah. yeah, that was fucking masterfully done. That would have played great in a theater. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say, man. Like, yo, Netflix, <laughs> y'all could easily be okay and out of your $10 billion debt if you wanted to, but you guys do the stupidest shit possible. Even there's not every movie, but even Hulu's putting some of their Fox movies in theaters. Right, right. Come on, man. Chevalier went to theaters. Uh, like fucking uh, Prey. They put Prey in theaters, you know? Like, you, you have these big movies that's, that need to be played. All right, well, and let's get into our final trailer, The Marvels. Uh, this looks just like every fucking Marvel movie. Like, I'm tired of this shit, to be honest with you. And I love I love the characters. Like, Photon's a great character. She was the best character in WandaVision. Uh Miss Marvel, one of my favorite projects of Phase Four, Four, and like Carol, I like Carol from the comics. She's a cool character, but this just looks like some dumb shit, honestly. Like so, the Freaky Friday I, shit is so corny. I'm sorry, it's I, corny. Like, I, that's the uh, that's the thing that got me uh, to actually like kind of lock in a little bit. Is like, oh, I was I was wondering how they were going to 
approach this story, right? And seeing it in the trailer is like, all right, that's a cool concept. I love Kamala Khan, uh, Kamala Khan, or whatever like that. But here's the thing: I know that the trailer is going to be far better than anything I see in this movie. It, look, I love Nia DaCosta as a director. Like, I don't really fuck with Candyman, but her direction in that movie was amazing. Her first movie is amazing. Little Woods, amazing. Right. I watched this trailer. I just don't see her style in this at all. It looks I, like I, a Marvel movie. Well, not to go back, like the go back to like the last episode of Barry. Uh, yeah, where he shits a, on Marvel, like he straight up says, like I'm the direct. The, 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 they got the director of Coda to do a little cameo in this right. episode. She's like, yeah, I'm the director of Coda, and now I'm having, I'm making somebody dangle ten feet in front of a green screen. Right, you know, and like that's how I feel <laughs> when they get these prestige directors, you know, like these prestige indie directors to do these fucking. These Marvel movies is like uh, you're just you're you're why look look I I can't I'm not going to shit completely on it just because again Nia DaCosta is a great director and it's cool to see a young black woman be given the opportunity to do this but right this comes out the week after Dune like I'm gonna go see Dune again out of spite. And they're taking <laughs> IMAX screens away from Dune to play this shit. Yeah. To, for this shit, really? Yeah. No, like no, this is October was wide open, y'all, and y'all decided to squeeze yourselves in between Dune and Hunger Games, and even Hunger Games looks better than this. I'm sorry, and I was lukewarm on that Hunger Games trailer. Right. Uh, so I mean, you tell me, y'all. Yeah. Yo, listen. Y'all better hope this movie's good. Like, y'all better hope that they screen it early for us like they did with Guardians. Like, because uh, this this looks uh, like some bullshit, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going out to... I'm not... Unless it's for the podcast, I'm not... Unless we get a free screen, a screening for it or whatever like that, I'm not... I'm not going to a theater with regular people to see this shit. Uh, I, yeah. I will say this now. I was going to hold this off for the review, but... Uh, Guardians 3 reminded me what these things were. And it's so good that I know that we are going to go back right into the bullshit we were getting prior to Guardians 3. So unless I get a press screening, I'm done with the MCU. Like, I will watch these movies for this show, but there's no, I'm going, me personally, to watch these or go to the theater and see these. There's no need anymore. There's really no need. There's no excitement. And we'll like, I mean, we might as well just go into the main review right now. Yeah, let's get into the main review. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. The Film Blurbs feature film review. All right. So um, we I didn't want to say it, but I was feeling it. You said it outside the theater uh and i'm glad you said it first um guardians of the galaxy 3 is the best marvel movie since endgame yeah 
I'll, I'll, you know, I'm lucky. And I think I, I want to give a big, big shout out to Disney and specifically IMAX. Y'all thought I was enough of an influencer and, a, and special enough to give me a second screening of this movie. Uh, after seeing it a second time, to me, this is the best of the trilogy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of felt that way when I came out of the screening. Um, the first one is always the first one, right? It's because it, it's 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 new, it's fresh, exciting. You haven't seen anything like it before, so that's always going to hold a place in your heart, right? But this third one, this third one, everything in it is better than what we've seen in the previous two. And like, even if you want to count Endgame and like Infinity Wars and all the other appearances of the Guardians, this is the best they have ever been. This is, and this is my problem because going back and preparing for this movie, I realized we are four years out from Endgame and we're still dealing with Endgame. Like everything that has to, that has to deal with the fallout from Endgame should have came much, much sooner. This one, I understand why it didn't come sooner. For those of you who don't know, uh, a political social media influencer, Mike Krenovich, a big Trump guy, dug up old tweets from James Gunn because James Gunn was constantly tweeting negative things about Trump. And, you know, rightfully so. Got him fired for some edgelord. Their tweets, like, like I said on previous episode, the tweets were edgelord tweets made when we didn't really know how to use Twitter or what exactly Twitter was. We didn't realize the tool that it is to connect with people and get news out there or to connect with fans and stuff like that. Uh, he got fired. Like they pulled, they, they got scared and he got fired. He, as soon as he got fired, WB's like, Oh, fuck that. You're like, come make some DC shit. And, you know, we saw Suicide Squad. We were all proud of it. And then lo and behold, he's like, uh, they're like, yeah, so uh, you're running DC now. You and Peter Safran are run, co-running DC. So this is it. Because before he got fired, the plan was he was going to make Guardians 3 and then all the cosmic stuff. So like all the stuff in space, that was going to be his. Like, remember when after the first Avengers where Joss Whedon took the lead and he was like the creative director of phase two and why a lot of those phase two movies were good. Like Shane Black's Iron Man three, uh, winter soldier, this guardians movie. Yeah. That was because of that. So, uh, when people tell me they hate age of Ultron and that was Joss Whedon's fault, I'm like, yeah, some of that was his fault. The other part of it was the Marvel creative committee because they told him he had to do all this shit and it, that 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 was like five different movies rolled into one because he was answering to six different people. Right, right. So and now he came back, he made this, and he's gone. And it's a real shame that they lost uh they lost James Gunn because as Jeff said, when I walked out of this, I was just like, You haven't seen stuff like this in a Marvel movie in a long time. It was something with a sense of scale where it feels big, it feels epic. Their sets, the characters are really there at interacting with each other. And Jeff said it best. He's like, that's because it wasn't a Marvel movie. It was a James Gunn movie. 100%. 100%. And here's the thing. 
this has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it's a beautiful end. It it, it really is. And it you don't have to have history with all of these other fucking franchises and all the TV shows, right, to enjoy this movie. Like, it, it, it informs it. It can make it better for you, but you don't need it. Well, obviously, you have to watch the first two Guardians and you have to watch the two Avengers movies like Infinity War and Endgame because they directly those directly impact these movies and they talk about it directly. Right. And then if you want... Like definitely watch uh, uh, the holiday special so you understand why they own nowhere, how they operate out of nowhere. But you could skip Love and Thunder. Like Love and Thunder, that shit was that was some bullshit to throw Thor in there with them. And even right. Taiki was like, "Why'd y'all do this?" That's why I love Love and Thunder because the first ten minutes they were just like, "All right, we're, we're done with you. We're getting out of here." Um, and even James Gunn said, like, Taikia did me a solid by getting them out of there as quick as he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know how to properly express how emotional this movie is, right? Well, 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 like, let's start off right at the beginning, man, because they established a somber tone. From the get go, like it starts off, and it it this movie is somber as fuck. Like it, I'm so, the first the opening credit sequence, like that set to an acoustic version of Radiohead's "Creep," probably the best ver- use of that song ever. Uh, it's it, the Guardians movies have been friend family friendly. This one isn't because this one starts off with Peter. So grief-stricken, he's drunk as shit, drooling all over himself. And I was just like, I would not let a kid watch this shit. The main character drooling on himself and all the fucking guardians are looking at him disappointed, like, oh, god damn it again. And they're all they're all about to cry because they're tired of seeing their friends suffer like this. Right, right. Um, and then we get into Rocket's origins, right? His right. origins, because this whole entire movie, it it flashes you know back and forth between Rocket's origins and the like a situation, yeah, in, in the mission. And how is it that Rocket Raccoon has one of the best emotional arcs in this whole entire fucking franchise? Well, yeah, because. He said it the uh, James Gunn said it the best that Rocket Raccoon is the secret protagonist of this trilogy. Like the main protagonist is Peter, but really the the secondary protagonist is Rocket, and he right. And it doesn't click until you see all three together. Yeah, and honestly, like after seeing this third one, I'm I'm going to go back and watch the other two and and just go at it that this is Rocket's movie, right? You know, right? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna say this: if you love animals, don't see this movie because uh, honestly, don't take your kids because this is the, one of the most violent and disturbing Marvel movies. High body count. It, it is it. wild. Uh, like, there's only a few. There's only one other Marvel movie where I was like, I don't know if I'd show a kid that, and that's Infinity War because Infinity right. War is fucking violent and disturbing too. And this one. It's like this in Infinity War. Like this is like pushing that PG thirteen. Like I'm so. Everybody was had their 
clutching their pearls over multiverse of madness i'm like no it's this one this one i'm like this is how did this not get an r rating is beyond me and like you really see james gunn's horror roots oh yeah this is a in this shit yeah like we you heard us say before uh well me specifically i said suicide squad is a trauma uh, not 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 trauma uh it's like a grindhouse movie this more than suicide squad feels like a trauma movie like one of the places they have to infiltrate is made of organic matter it looks like cancer cells i was just like and before they infiltrate that when they jump out into space has the best needle drop of the movie that song fits those images perfectly i was just like holy shit and the emotionality of that fucking scene with that song it everything went hand in hand that's my favorite needle drop of the whole movie besides creep yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of needle drops in this, and like, uh, it was almost too much for me. But then, like on, uh, just like on some distance, it's like it's it 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 works because the Guardians, you know, movies have always been kind of predicated on the soundtrack, right? You know, that's James Gunn's trademark. Yeah, but like the music works. I've noticed that this. James Gunn has become more. Uh, frantic and more hyperactive as a director and it really started with the suicide squad where the way he's constantly moving the camera that carries over into this one with the camera move so he said they asked him they're like did you shoot this in the volume like every other marvel movie he's like no we didn't use the volume because the volume doesn't allow camera movements so we shot sets and green screen and the green screen, this is the most it's looked polished and ready in a long time. I know we said that before, but we I really mean it. This looks like a finished film. It's 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 beautiful. It's uh, like like beautifully shot. Yeah. And like beautifully realized and everything <laughs> looks like they cared about it. Right, like yeah. the production design, the sound. Yeah, like this is perfectly the... mixed. Like I will say that. Like when me and Jeff saw it at uh, the eight-story IMAX. By the way, see this in IMAX because both of my screenings were in IMAX. Uh, I saw it. We saw it there, and I saw it in the Chamonix my second time. I didn't even know they were doing it until like that day. They're like, "Hey, you want to see it again? We'll hold seats for you, you and a guest." And I was like, "Fuck yeah." Uh, Nishamni's IMAX, y'all, y'all gotta y'all gotta ca- uh, fix that. Turn down the sound a little bit. Fix the sound. It's too yeah. loud. And that's the only See, IMAX theater I've been to where I'm like, that's too loud. Uh, I, I felt the same way when I went to see Mario there. Like I I couldn't even hear but, the yeah, shit. New, the dialogue. Yeah, next. man. Because uh, New Brunswick, you can. It's loud, but you can hear what they're saying. Same at Lincoln Square. It's loud. But you can hear the dialogue perfectly. Nishamni is so loud that at points I couldn't even hear what they were saying. And I had to tell my brother after the movie, I'm like, this movie has the best sound design and sound mixing in a blockbuster movie in a long time. And they drown. It's so loud that you can't hear what they're saying. And my brother's like, oh, no, 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 no. I understand that wasn't the movie's fault because I the sound mixing in the movie is incredible. It's just 
you're right. It was too loud and it just drowned out the dialogue. Right. Um, it, and the mixing, dialogue. The, like, okay. the, because it was so loud, though, the mixing was incredible, though, that second time hearing it move around you in that right. IMAX theater. Because since the Shamini upgraded to laser, when you upgrade to laser, you get a new 12, you get a 12 system sound stage. So it mimics Atmos. So it's around you. That picture is the best I've ever seen ever, but that was my least favorite experience. It's like, I'm going to like Nishamini, getting to Nishamini, getting out of Nishamini, the people at Nishamini. That's the last time I'm going to fuck with that theater for a minute. Yeah, well, you know, um, but like, but like on that dialogue, uh, this is the funniest of the three movies. and It's hilarious. Here's the thing. That makes this good, though. The, the the humor. This is not Marvel humor where it's like, look how stupid this is. Ha ha ha. Or they throw in a joke and it's awkward. All the humor comes from uh, the situations and the character. So it never kills that sad, somber tone that runs throughout the right. movie. Like even when they're make cracking jokes, it's still sad as fuck. Yeah. Um, and let's. Let's talk about how Marvel fucked up uh, and they didn't make the high evolutionary the big bad for this phase, right? I'm, um, I'm going to disagree with you there, but I, I'll, you, you make your point. Well, I'm just saying that uh, this character is a villain. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've never, I've never in any of these movies, I've never hated a motherfucker more than this dude. Right? I couldn't wait for them to win just to fuck this dude up. Right? Um, and uh, I, I can't, I'm, I don't want to fuck up his name. Judy uh, would Judy. I think that's how you say it. Judy would duty. Cause I heard him say Chudy. his name on Instagram last night. And I think he said it. Judy would duty. Judy would duty. Uh, he's in peacemaker and he was great in peacemaker. So shout out right, to but, James Gunn for recognizing talent and his being like, yo, let's put you in a Marvel so you could get paid. Right. But he fucking, kills this he was eating son he was eating he was like doing Shakespeare he took that shit like he was doing Shakespeare cause he would go from tenderness to menace in the same fucking scene in the same moment right um yeah it's he was fucking magnificent and to the fuck boy on Twitter that complained that they got a black dude to play the high evolutionary in Guardians 3. I I hope nothing good happens to you for the rest of your life. Everything that you eat tastes like ash in your mouth and you get all sorts of ass polyps. I want to say I think it's funny that this is James Gunn just doubled down on saying fuck you to Mike Kronovich and Trump and be this is what I got out of it, okay? Uh, the high evolutionary to me is Trump. Because he is a middle-aged man, super-powered. He's literally a super-powered middle-aged man with a god complex who runs a corporation. And these are characters, our heroes, are fighting for one of their own to get them health care from this giant corporation. I mean, that's a bit of, I get it. 
I get it. That's a bit of a stretch for me. How's it a stretch? That's a bit of a stretch. What? How's it a stretch? Like it's like it's like dog. You cannot I, tell me this dude. Like yo, if you put an orange wig on him, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. No, but this dude's smart. Mm, well, have you recently? Everybody has been turning against Trump, and at the end of the movie, everybody turns against the high evolutionary. Well, yeah, because he's so obsessed with power. With well, well, yeah, obsessed with Rocket. Honestly, yeah, but more that, than anything, that plays he's... into the power because Rocket right, is like every... so smart, and he wants to make the smartest the best because everything has to be the best. We're the greatest. And uh, like I, I, I see it, but I, I'm like it's that's a step too far. But I can see how you made the connection, and I'm not disagreeing with you. It's just like that's. I don't think they were thinking that. Way. Oh, I do. James Gunn's a smart motherfucker. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not a smart motherfucker. I'm just saying like that's uh, uh, the 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 parallels between Trump and him uh, surface level at best. Uh, but go ahead. But that doesn't take anything away from this fucking movie. Um, and it it's two hours and a half, and it flies. That's my that's one of my problems, right? Uh, even watching it the second time, I'm like, all right, it's two and a half hours. It moves fast, but I would like some of this to breathe a little bit, especially like the more emotional parts. Just a little right. bit of breathing room. Right. And, uh, you know. And my second complaint is the high evolutionary screams too much, like just a tad too much. Well, I get you. I get you. Um Everybody in this movie has an arc. Yeah. 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 I think Pete Rocket and Peters are the best for me. Like, especially Peters yeah. kind of hit me hard. It's just like, damn, this you don't get that type of ending in these type of movies. Yeah. And like uh there are there's one post credit scene. Two. Two. Well, well, that's a mid credit scene, right? There's two mid credits. All right. And then one post. Oh, okay, like uh, the post credit scene is cute. The one of the mid credit scenes is fucking fabulous, right? And it's it sets up for how this could go further. I think that's just but, a little nod. I don't think that's setting it up just because. No, no, but like, that like end it's credits just kind of reiterates what's coming next, and that doesn't seem that that's in the cards. Well, I'm just I'm just saying it's left open that that could happen, but it's just it's it's nice. It's nice. I think it was. I think that would have happened if James Gunn wasn't preemptively fired. Yeah, uh, and and that was that was that happened without Kevin Feige even knowing. He didn't know about that until he he saw it with the rest of us in the Hollywood Reporter and Variety, where right, he's like, "What right. the fuck?" So now y'all now y'all lost one of your biggest talents in in this franchise. So I mean, I. Uh, look, this movie's very good. Like the set pieces are w- so well done. Like I didn't realize it the first time. Second time, there's a oneer near the end of the movie that had me. The second time, I was like, "Yo, I got to clap for this. That was awesome." It was one of the best oneers I've seen in a minute. Are we talking about the fight scene? Yeah, the battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, I don't know how I can watch any of like going forward i can watch any of these other marvel movies 
like I, because this has set the bar so high, right? Anything else that's, but like, is going to be a disappointment after this. There, James Gunn cares, right? Like he said before and after his firing, the script only changed like a little bit, like 10%. So this is still his original script. My thing is, is had they gotten somebody else to make this, it wouldn't, it would be good, but it wouldn't be this good. This clearly is a personal movie made by somebody who was going through some things at the time he wrote it that helped him get through to where he is now. Uh, I don't think we're going to get a movie this personal from the MCU again. I don't think we're going to get a movie with actual character work like this again. I don't think we're going to get characters that have pathos like this. Like, bro, Rocket Raccoon shouldn't have a better uh, emotional arc than Doctor Strange. Right. Like, Doctor Strange doesn't really have an arc in Multiverse of Madness. Uh, Ant-Man, does he learn anything in Quantum Mania? Does he? I can't remember that movie. Like, honestly. is he is he right. humble? I don't even think he was humbled by the end of the movie because you know his ego was inflated at the beginning, and I don't I don't even know if he went through that arc of being humbled or appreciating I, what he had. Yeah, but like I, I yeah I have I have no idea. I, all I know is that it's the. The work that Bradley Cooper did with Rocket Raccoon in this fucking movie. Voice-wise. Like, voice-wise, voice-wise. Right. It's just... Because the mocap is well, somebody else. Right, right. But, like, you, you didn't have to go this hard, man. Like, you you, you tried to remind us that you're an actual fucking actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think this is really thematically resonant on so many different levels. Jeff might not agree, but I think if you want to dig deeper like I do in everything, uh, it's there for you to dig deeper. Uh, and it just works as an entertaining movie. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like beginning, middle, like you said, it has a beginning, middle, and end. Uh, I think this is some of the best action we've seen out of Marvel since Endgame too, like even I'm trying to think what what has had good action like this. I can't really remember anything that's happened in the MCU for this phase, right? Because I like, remember like, they kept hyping up uh, Moon Knight about how t- it, insanely violent that was, and I'm like, uh, that is child's play compared to this. Like Moon Knight wasn't that bad in all retrospect. Right, like, like it, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good, but it wasn't OD violent. Like Werewolf uh, by Night was more violent than Moon Knight. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. This, this, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised Disney's letting this go through. Uh, look, I'm glad they did. I, I'm glad. Uh, this is this this skirts is real close to an R. I'm as close as you're gonna get. I'm going to see this one more time. I want to see it in IMAX 3D because I read uh, a couple of tweets in an article where the people who worked on the first two for the 3D for the first two said the 3D was the best in this one. And the first two, the press screenings were in 3D and that was some of the best 3D. So I'm going to give it a chance in 3D. 
I trust James Gunn with that shit. He cares, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about this movie. Um, I haven't wanted to see a Marvel movie more than once this whole entire phase. Yeah, there's right? yeah, there's, except for this one. Yeah, yeah, because Ant Man and uh, Quantum Mania is dropping May fifteenth, right on Disney Plus. Yeah, like, but I, I'm not gonna watch it. Oh no, like, uh, Black Panther, you know, Wakanda Forever. I I haven't felt the need to revisit that. Uh, Shang Chi. Um, why bother? I'd say the right. only one I've revisited multiple times and still enjoyed was Eternals a movie. Right. Only movie. And even I got some enjoyment out of Black Widow because at least I could be like, all right, this was a one off. There's some cool shit in that. But other than those two, I guess it's just this one. And honestly, I if if I was told like, hey, no more Marvel press screenings for you guys, I'd be like, all right, fine. And uh, this fine. is it for me. That's, then. That's, all right, that's cool. Like all right, you can- I'm sticking around because I want to see black Captain America. Like, and I'm pretty sure that's not going to be good. Uh, I want to see, I, I'm praying and I'm praying. Cause I want this at least one movie in my lifetime. I would like one fantastic four movie to be good. So I'm hoping that's going to be good. But seeing as they just recently hired a person to rewrite the script, that's a, uh, and honestly, I I'm I'm looking forward to the train wreck that's going to be Blade. It's wild because I keep hearing all these stories about Blade, and none that I want to talk about, just because I don't want to add to the conjecture and make right. us look stupid. But like I've heard so many stories, I'm just like, there's no way this movie's going to be good. If it is good, great, I'm happy. Right. But like, um. I, at this point with the MCU, I'm just like, yo, call me when y'all do Galactus. Like, I'm going to go to sleep. Like, call me when you guys do Miles Morales live action and uh, Galactus, because I'm going to go to sleep. Like, I'll, I'll, if you want to find me, uh, I'll be in the DCU neighborhood with James Gunn. Because really, that's the only shit I really want to see is Galactus at this point in time. Like, he's he's one of my favorite villains, so... And if that right, rumor is like, true that he's just going to be in Fantastic Four and that's it, then seriously, fuck this shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, congratulations, James Gunn. Once again, uh, you have made one of the best movies in that perspective universe. I will say Suicide Squad is probably one of my favorite. His Suicide Squad is one of my favorite movies in the DCU. And uh, I'm going to say this uh, Guardians 3 is up there with one of the greatest uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Because like rewatching, like I said, I rewatch Iron Man 3. I rewatch Winter Soldier. And I was just like, damn, remember when these used to be movies and they actually gave a shit? And now and like rewatching this, I was just like, yo, why don't we do this more often? Like y'all are just pumping these out just to feed the fucking beast. And now it's backfired because people don't even want the beast. Like y'all put out Ant-Man, which is supposed to be the big, the big one. And everybody was like, nah, nah, we're good. Let's let's talk about uh, just to circle back. Let's talk about Iron Man 3, because like everybody I talk to fucking shits on Iron Man 3. But you know what? 
it's its own fucking movie. Right? It's got a clear, definitive voice. It's fun. It's funny. It's got a beginning, middle, and end. You know? Just because it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway. These movies, like you said, used to be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they're just... They literally are just like, yo, let's feed the beast. Let's give the fans what they want. Because no matter no matter what, there's people I know and there's people you know who are going to love these no matter what. Like there's people, right. there's one dude who swears up and down that I'm quote unquote wrong about Multiverse of Madness. Who the fuck are you wrong about? I, I, off, off show. Okay. Off show. All right. Yeah, and I realized this is just a dude who loves Marvel no matter what. They can do no wrong. Ah, and I realized his brother, because I remember, like, I started getting pissed when he's like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. I started getting pissed because I'm like, how the fuck am I wrong? It's my opinion. And then I realized his brother turned and looked at me. He's just like, yo, yo, I, yo, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I, I, I understand now. Uh, yeah anyway uh, speaking so, of after my second time there's a bunch of fucking nerds in front of me uh they they, they did the most getting there they're first people in line did the most to get right. there they i guess they got there uh, at 2 p.m uh, all right what are you serious they, what time was the screening what what time was the screen seven jesus christ they they got the best uh seats in the in the in the theater right Right. The chick that was with them, her seat wouldn't recline. She went to uh-huh. every seat in that row to see if it was just her seat. She climbed over the seat with her flashlight on on her phone to fix the shit. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and after uh, she uh, did uh, all that, her and her two friends that she was with, there were two, two, two fucking dudes. After all that, they just went, yeah, that movie was okay. It ain't anything. Wait, so they were there from 2 p.m., right? I'm guessing so. I'm guessing so, man. Because I got there at 5, and the dude in front of me is like, hey, I got here at 4. All right, so... All right, fuck it. Yeah, 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 man. I mean, oh, Jeff, I mean, I guess we should talk about our experience before, real quick, before and after the movie, because it was a clusterfuck all around. So I'll start. Maybe what? All right. Before I get there, because this is the IMAX theater, one of the best IMAX theaters in the world, right? Lincoln Square. We I get there super early, first person there. Table starts setting up, and I go up to them. I'm like, "Yo, you guys doing uh, Guardians?" And they go, "No, we wish we're doing. Are you here, God? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret." I'm like. This movie opens in two hours. What do you mean? They're like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a, a double ARP screening. I'm like, that's wild. I was like, Lionsgate's been screening this movie for four weeks, and they're still paying <laughs> for screenings that start when the movie comes out. Whatever. We all stand there, and then we see. I see the manager set up another table on the other side of the theater, and I go up to her, and I was like, is this? For-? And she's like, yeah, but you're going to have to stand outside. We're like, I'm pressed. We're pressed. We don't stand outside. Like we never right. stand outside <laughs> because the line started getting long and she swore up and down. It's prime time at our theater at this time. I'm like 7 PM on a Monday. This theater's fucking dead. She moved us outside anyway. 
all these critics and critics I know personally, uh, not know them personally, but know their work personally, walk past me pissed off, just looking angry, like, what the fuck are we doing? We're waiting for these uh, these two chicks to show up. They finally show up. They're like, all right, go in, check in. Go up to the desk. There's some old man and his daughter there. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? He didn't right, they didn't, save, they didn't save the line at all. They were just like, oh, is this the line? for? Is this where we get our Guardians tickets? And that, that pissed me off because those two women helped that one dude and his girl. Meanwhile, when right. we get there, the one rep's like, are you two together? We're like, yeah. They're like, okay, can you move over to just her? And I was like, it took two of you bitches to help one dude. But for us... Our name's not on the list. I had to show them the confirmation email and everything. And I'm like, fuck, man, we're not going to get our seats. Get our tickets. But, but Brandon, what color was the man? Oh, he was who, a, he who, was a, I want to say, 60, 70 year old white man. Oh, he was white. Hmm, that's, 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 yeah. Our, our, interesting. Our, our Disney rep forgot to put our names on the list after I emailed her like, hey, are we good for this screening? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're going to get the confirmation email. Get that? So we get inside the IMAX theater and I run up the other the stairwell that nobody uses. I run up, get our seats. I was like, all right, Jeff, we're here. We're good. Uh, my boy sit with us. After the movie, we get on the train. And as we're getting to Penn Station, I see our train is canceled. I was like, fuck. All right. We got 30 minutes to kill. Let's use the bathroom and then let's go outside and bullshit for a minute. Do that get on the train and that train is OD packed and they start, they decide to start playing fucking games on the train. People are being rude. Some dude just screaming at people, make way, move out of the way, make way. Indian girl standing in front of me saying the wildest shit where I'm just sitting there laughing. And the black girl, she sees me laughing and she's hearing everything too. Like this Indian girl, she's just speaking what's on her mind. Like that shit was wild. Like she was like fucking talking shit on people from Jersey, yeah. people from Connecticut. Yeah. It was like, what? Do you like anybody? I was like, damn, bitch. Black black lady started tweaking when we got to North Elizabeth. She's like, y'all make me miss my stars. Y'all made me miss my stop. Mind you, we stopped at North Elizabeth, but the doors never opened because that wasn't right. a stop on the fucking train. We're like, lady, we're not at the station. The doors never open. She's like, we're right there. The doors didn't open. The door, y'all ain't let me out. Let me out. And we're like, yo, this is wild. Meanwhile, across from us is fucking cocaine Don Johnson just sitting there. <laughs> talking Talk about bands. Just rapid fire talking like he did a whole suitcase talking to his boy. He's like, yo, Mountain, they signed my guitar, man. All the members of Mountain. Oh, Mick Jagger signed my vinyl, man. It was and I just couldn't stop laughing because this dude looked like he stepped out of Miami Vice, like the TV show, the, the, like the 80s TV show. He looked like it. And like every time I looked at him, I just pictured uh, push it to the limit. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a wild. Yeah, uh, it was wild. It was a, a was, wild, was, stressful was a night. Trip. And I'm glad we don't trip. have a screening for another week and a half. Like not till Fast X because that. That, that, uh, that was a night. That was a night. Right. But to say all that, the movie made it worth it. Yeah. To go through all that bullshit. Yeah. 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 
Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I hate people. <laughs> I hate people. Like people at uh, both screenings. I was just like, I hate these people. Yeah. yeah Yo, the, yeah. the people, the co- the reps for the second screening I went to, there were two college interns and they showed up right. like 20 minutes before the movie started. And they're well, just I mean, looking. They're like, oh, sorry, we're late. Even the security people, they were there an hour early and they're just like, where the fuck are these people? That's what, that's what happens when you get the interns to do shit. Yo, yo, man. On a week, you know, on a weekend. Yo. Ooh. They even hold their seats. They got shitty seats. Like they let people in the theater. And I was like, y'all didn't think to go in first, put your coats your down spin. and hold your right. seats. Like, no, why would they do that? That would be smart. That would be a thing that you should do. Yo, I, I hate people. And that's that's it. Go see Guardians 3. Go see Guardians 3. In IMAX. Uh, um, yeah, that's it. It's episode 83. Yeah, peace. We're the Film Blurred. I'm Brandon Nord, and I'm the motherfucking protagonist. I'm the protagonist. I'm Jeff Stewart, a.k.a. He Who Remains. Don't come at us. It's just fucking movies. You've been listening to the Film Blurs Podcast. Man, I just love what you guys do, man. I never miss an episode. It's the best. It's my favorite podcast. Follow Jeff on IG on MindFireXL and Brandon on Twitter at BJN Tweets.